Bling Blong, everyone. Our new podcast miniseries, Talking Mission Hill, is now exclusively on Patreon. Put on your spicy pants every Friday with a new podcast covering each episode of the cult series from Simpsons legends Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. $5 subscribers at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons can hear every episode, plus all of our previous miniseries about Futurama, King of the Hill, and The Critic. So don't be a Beardsley. Sign up for Talking Mission Hill today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where it's hell being Mel. I'm your host, Undead Lottery winner Bob Mackey and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert and I'll gladly destroy a car for a free movie ticket. And who do we have on the line? Uh, I am Steven Sadak and I, you can just call me the evil dog guy. I mean, <laughs> the shifty dog. Is- and today's episode is Beyond Blunderdome. <laughs> Today's episode aired on September 26, 1999, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, welcome to season 11. Ashley Judd revenge film Double Jeopardy tops the box office. TLC's Unpretty is number one on the Billboard music charts. Mm. And Harry Potter Fever reaches new heights in the U.S. as Prisoner of Azkaban has just come out and will top the New York Times bestsellers list for the next three months. So it's Harry Potter time hardcore in 1999. I have no cultural connection to any of these events. Really? (laughs) Yes. I remember Unpretty pretty is a thing uh like i was i was very heavy into the trl especially in the year of our lord 1999 hoping for the new metal to 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 triumph over all the pop songs (laughs) i remember that uh very clearly i remember like unpretty like i just could see that video in my brain when i closed my eyes Hmm. yeah yeah is that how like damn i'm pretty every car if you want i i I know scrubs (laughs) i can talk about scrubs and their opinion on scrubs but uh yeah is that one of those songs like every girl group or like uh just a girl singer would do the patronizing like hey ugly people <laughs> like exactly. firework sure yeah. yes yeah or i guess uh, we we are setting an un- unreasonable standard however we are not trash <laughs> yeah it's uh, i think those come from a point of guilt of eventually they realize like oh i'm as an as a popular artist i am upholding impossible beauty standards so i need to make a song about how it's okay to be ugly as well <laughs> and uh, and Ashley Judd, this is just the uh, this isn't even her first one, but she is the queen of women in their early, late thirties, early forties revenge films. There were like yeah. um, Steve, have you done any of these on We Hate Movies? Like there were maybe uh, like Henry said, four or five of these like so thrillers, yeah. the Judd thrillers. Oh, yeah. We did, I think it was called Twisted a couple of years ago. Okay. It was like an Andy Garcia, I think Sam Jackson's bouncing around. It's like a serial killer joint. Because that was her thing. It was revenge stuff, serial killer, courtroom. It was all, there was like an Ashley Judd genre, pretty much, because it was just like put a, a, a male cast behind Ashley Judd and watch it go. Double Jeopardy remains a crown jewel. Stay tuned. We're definitely going to do it at some point. Ooh, it's, it's, it's bonkers. Yeah, I did see this on, uh, not in the theaters, but on DVD. 
DVD, I did see Double Jeopardy, like the because the the concept of it was so great. A woman gets framed for murder. She goes to jail for a few for a certain amount of time, and once she's out, she finds out her husband faked his death, but now she can murder him and get away with it because she already has been tried for his murder. Mm, let's see how that holds up in court. <laughs> yeah, I feel like legally, like all right, you got a, a arrested for vehicular homicide of Bob Mackey, but if I shot him in the head later, it's a, I feel like that's a different crime. Probably. Uh, well, I guess. Oh, that, dear that, God, I hope so. That's, <laughs> that's up to the lawman Tommy Lee Jones in that film. Who he's the uh, she's she's usually partnered with Morgan Freeman, but it was Tommy Lee Jones is the older man in the, this film. So when this podcast comes out in April, people are going to say, "I can't believe Stephen Sadak actually did shoot Bob Mackey." <laughs> uh, I thought I had the law on my side there. And uh, the Harry Potter books, I was hearing about them in '99, but I didn't start reading them until honestly the second movie came out in '02. Like this, the first movie was '01. And I was like, Harry Potter, I'm mad the Simpsons are making a joke about it on a Treehouse episode. The next year was when my friends started to get into it. And I finally gave into the mania uh, around when the sixth book came mm. out. That's when I, and now I have read, I've read half the Harry Potters and seen all the movies. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice if J.K. Rowling, like, it kept her legacy good. You know? <laughs> nice. just, 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 just enjoy the money, yeah, my friend. It's, just, it's a ton rich. of money to enjoy. Exactly. The best thing yeah. she did after the books was saying what happens when the wizards poop in their own robes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, why would you sit on a toilet if you could just make poop disappear? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good point. Uh, but uh, yes, welcome back, Stephen Sadak from We Hate Movies. Hi, thank you guys for having me. As always, this is a, a, a treat. This is part of my quarantine, so any time to spend talking to people is a treat. <laughs> so thank you for having us. And I have, me. To, I have to highly recommend your new miniseries that's covering both uh, 90210 and Melrose Place uh, twice a week. It's been quite a treat to mm-hmm. listen to those. Yeah, it, were you either of you guys 90210 or Melrose Place kids? I watched a little Melrose, but honestly not that much. No. I think I might have watched the first like two or three years of 90210 because wow. I had an older sister and wow. I still do. And it was like, <laughs> I guess this is what teenagers are into. I'll watch this. So, yes, I am familiar with the entire cast, but I know nothing about Melrose Place. Yeah, the, 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 I had the older sister, which was my like kind of excuse. Like it was, I was sitting very far away from the television, and eventually got closer and closer. And then I'm like, "Man, that Dylan is a jerk!" And like just totally <laughs> got into it uh, as a kid. Even if you're, I would say, even if you're not into these shows or really haven't even seen an episode, it's it's kind of an excuse to just sort of it's '90s culture. It's like you know, we're talking about high school, all sorts of stuff, and and just sexiness. I mean, it's the sexiest <laughs> thing we've ever done for sure. Uh, yes, this is season eleven. We yes. have begun it. Our 30th anniversary exploration of the first season is is over and we are now back into 1999 and the 11th season of the simpsons some some call it the best season no no yes. but no. <laughs> uh but i do feel and i was getting this feeling with season 10 is that uh they're trying to run i mean it feels like they're getting bored with the family and they might be running out of stories for the family so a lot of season 10 and 11 is like stories about hollywood and show business and yeah. Lindsay nagel becomes like a major player i'm surprised she's not in this episode to be honest yeah i mean the um the woman is basically Lindsay nagel yeah like she's yeah yeah uh it, though i should mention too if we're talking about production as we like to 
this episode and the next three, the first four, oh. are production season 10 episodes. Okay. The first production 11 episode is Treehouse. But yeah, this one especially just feels unneeded when they a year ago did the Alec and Kim episode of that was already very Hollywood. Yes. Uh, it's, it's very like I was I was trying to like gear up for this because I haven't uh, I haven't watched this episode in forever. And I was sort of like, what are my favorite like celebrity Simpsons episodes? And they're always like one off jokes. Like I was I watched, you know, Krusty gets canceled and like all of those are perfect because they're all just like, hey, we have this celebrity. Let's do a quick pastiche of their actual personality in service of a joke that actually benefits the show as opposed to the other way around i guess and it wasn't really like a 22 minute suck job on one <laughs> uh, Just celebrity one well the michael jackson one was it's this true is, yeah that's why it's now banned from you all know, existence I would, yeah I, i'm sorry i said michael jackson after suck job I'm oh sorry. jesus <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i think i also think that the simpsons they uh they zigged where south park zagged where south park especially at this time was just like fuck all celebrities yeah. all celebrities are scum and this is just just like a glowing tribute with a little bit of self-effacing humor of one celebrity. So I think yeah. they're just kind of reacting the opposite way. You know, it's good you bring up South Park because I do, uh, you know, there's lots of things you can critique South Park for. I do think one thing I like about Matt and Trey's iconoclastic anti-Hollywood nature is that when they got famous enough and the famous people were like, yeah, let's hang out and I'll be on your show and I'll do all this. Other than making George Clooney bark like a dog and having Robert Smith from The Cure show up they pretty much never had voice guests on and they like uh, at least tried to stay away from the fame situation of it more than the simpsons did around the same time because it's, it's hard when you're like when you're supposed to be you know uh, satirizing these kinds of things to really get in bed with these things. That's why you get an episode like this where it is so like forgiving of Mel Gibson, which is hilarious <sighs> because uh, this is, I mean, this was back. I mean, Mel was sort of uh, Australia slash America's sweetheart at the time. Oh yeah. I mean, let's, let's first, we all know what we think of Mel Gibson <laughs> right now. Um, we should think about what 1999 Mel Gibson was and what a big deal this was. Like I'd say other than a Beatle, this was the most famous guy they'd ever had on the show to yeah. this point uh, and even if you don't like mike scully's uh you know writing style or the direction he took the show i think he was very good for the show and that he got some of the biggest guests yeah he was he was focused on getting big guests and this mel gibson was the star of a million giant films but also a highly respected artistic a filmmaker at this point too and was regarded by a lot of people as the sexiest man alive like they i think it was overblown a little bit but i do think like our moms and that age group did find him attractive in, in a conventional way like he was known as a handsome hot guy he was a hunk he was a hunk yeah he was a hunk yeah kind of weird. when we did what women want on our show i was sort of shocked how which i think is about about here maybe it's 2001 or something like that mm -hmm. like how like the hunkiness kind of pervaded even though like like he's totally hot in like those in the mad max movies but like he, once he just gets into dad territory he looks like a ham like a literal <laughs> ham you know like it's it's not even like i mean he's obviously a good looking rugged blah 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 but like it's not he, I, I wouldn't call him sexy in the, the in this era of mel gibson yeah i think he was just coasting on those sexiest man alive fumes since mm. like maybe 1990 <laughs> and exactly. uh, he should have turned in his card around 97 probably i mean yeah the way he looks in say 87's lethal 
the weapon, he's a handsome guy. But also, like, the more you get to know him, the less you like him, too. <laughs> I mean, true. but even in 99, so what's interesting with him is, like, even in 99, he was saying stuff. Like, you could find yeah. quotes with him <laughs> that were definitely like, oh, that's homophobic. Wait, it's that Mel was Gibson, <laughs> and he's saying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had many bouts of homophobia and sexism and even some racism that would appear in the news and people would just be like, eh, cover for it. Like in the nineties, these things could happen and you really could just like PR your way out of it. And everybody's like, yeah, we all forget. We Michael forget Jackson that. even didn't even get canceled in the nineties, right? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> he at least had to like sit in a corner for a year. Yeah. Maybe. Cause I mean, look, the, the thing is that I mean, like people, you know, bash Twitter rightfully or wrongfully, but it's like that everyone was so removed. So if you were like fuming mad at Mel Gibson, you'd be fuming mad at home. And that's kind of it as opposed to like being like, yo, I'm going to like really, I'm going to at Mel Gibson and really talk shit. And like, you know what I mean? Rightfully or wrongfully, you can't, you can't, you couldn't do that then. And these things died on the vine a lot easier than they do now. And also you couldn't go to Wikipedia and just click on personal life controversies. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and I love that there. heading. <laughs> I, uh, that it's, I go for that of like, how many times is this person divorced or are they gay? That's usually exactly. <laughs> Me and my wife, it's like, all right, it's, it's, it, it's, it's I, I forget who made the joke, but early, early life is the, are they Jewish? And personal life is, are they gay? <laughs> That's right. That works. You are so right. God, like, uh, Mel Gibson would be mad reading that early life section. <laughs> my, I, my partner has her own Wikipedia page, and I don't. I'm a little bit jealous, but I know if I have mine, there might be a controversy section, uh, and I am true. terrified of that. Uh, but, I mean, yes. Now, well, honestly, now Mel Gibson is so different from 20 years ago, and yet not different enough, I'd say. I think it's uh, it's annoying to me that he got to come back. I, I the, Bob hasn't seen Bojack Horseman. I don't know if you have, uh, Stephen, but they, they make up a basically Mel Gibson type, and the point of it is, of his character, is like he does these things that are very cancelable, and he's cancelled, but then he just comes back. And he's like, yeah, I, I came back. Now I get to do more. That's just me. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I'm not, I'm not a BoJack guy, but yeah, it's, it, it is insane how that's like how that he's back and like as back as he is where not just like directing movies still, but also like, you know, he's in that daddy's home movie, like oh. that people liked that it was like kind of like, oh, he's a rough and scary guy or something. It's, it's just so weird to me. Yeah. And that I, especially when he gets to be in things that like are about trading on the fact that, you know, he's racist, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm a villain in something. Cause you know, or like his most recent movie dragged across concrete is about cops who, and they're annoyed at being filmed by people. Yeah. And, and it's in with Vince Vaughn and other beloved oh, celebrities. I love him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but boy so yeah that's that's why this one is almost impossible to go back to any in any way objectively like it's just it's the mel gibson episode he's in it they say his name at two minutes in and he never goes away yeah. i remember at the very least like at this era of the simpsons that this was one of not my favorite episode at the time but like one of my favorite current episodes like one that i was quoting with my friends a lot in 1999 i feel yeah i think if you for asked, some reason if you'd asked me in 99 what's your favorite like season 11 simpsons i'd be like oh probably the mel gibson episode i think it's pretty yeah. good like yeah there were there were funny bits in it now i watch this there's uh non-mel gibson things in here a couple times too that made me go like Ugh, yeah like that. <laughs> but uh but 
I guess, how did Mel Gibson end up here? Why is he on The Simpsons? Well, I know the answer. Are you asking yeah. rhetorically? Yeah, this is rhetorically. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, Mel Gibson and was it David Stern, Simpsons writer? Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. The, the wet bandit himself. Oh, the wet bandit. So brother of Simpsons writer David Stern. Yes. There was like some kind of school fundraiser and they needed a joke writer? Yes. And, okay. And Scully's kids go to the same school as Mel's kids oh, and I see. Stern's kids. And so Daniel Stern, I believe, hooked them up together. Together. Julie as well. So it's not just Mike Scully, Julie Thacker, both the them as a television writing duo, they worked with Mel Gibson too in writing jokes and they just befriended them and they hung out with them. And I definitely think the Homer in this episode is Mike Scully and how he felt hanging out with Mel Gibson. And I think like even though they're from different countries and Mel is much more famous than Mike Scully, I think what uh you know unites them is they're both almost the same age and they both grew up like extremely Catholic. Yes, yeah. yeah. Though I think uh, Mike Scully rejected that Catholicism yes. much more than uh, Gibson did. He spun that's the move. Yeah. As, a, as a lapsed Catholic, I got to tell you, that's the move. <laughs> well, though, I mean, you look at Mel's lifestyle, you would not think he is living the life of a, a devout Catholic man, but he'd tell you different, I think. No, you, all you need to do is be an asshole and go to church on Easter, and you're totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Scully was working with Mel and friendly with Mel, and so, of course, he's going to use that to get him on the show. And Mel said, that like it would impress his kids too his kids would think he's the coolest guy in the world for getting to be on the show i mean that's why the executives are name checked because they're named after his kids all three <laughs> yes he had six well so it's his wife and his five kids then he actually had a sixth after this episode aired but the first and last name of all three executives is either a child or his wife like that's that's why they're not uh, these characters never came back either and also his assistant is in this episode and oh. his manager's name is is uh, checked in this episode oh, as well. So it's a big, uh, doing a lot of favors. A lot of favors. But I mean, Mel, I, Mel's doing them the favor of being on the show, I guess. So I will say he's, I mean, like for this episode, for a season 11 episode, for a celebrity-centric, non almost non-Simpsons episode, Mel Gibson's really kind of funny in this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he gets the timing and stuff. It's not like, because sometimes people, especially actors that have to do voice stuff, it doesn't necessarily always work a lot of the time, but like he is good enough at like finding a voice, a way to make his voice funny and like hit the joke. Yeah, no, I, I haven't felt this con conflicted since uh, complimenting James Woods and his episode like, <laughs> yeah he's a good voice actor like mel gibson no one would argue that mel gibson isn't talented like sure he's he's a talented actor and director like he is really good at that stuff and so yeah he doesn't disappoint in this show that doesn't make me want to see mel gibson movies right now but <laughs> no. yeah, yeah but he's he's is very talented and based on the commentary he was all in on it he was not like showing up like crusty to record his talking crusty yeah. doll thing he was there recording with everybody not just doing his own thing via satellite from his home or yeah whatever. And that he like came in more than once to do pickups. Like nobody would. You compare that to a different asshole, Alec Baldwin, <laughs> when he did the show. Didn't try half as much. Wouldn't come back in. Ron like, Howard uh, gave it his all. Hell yeah, yeah. And he's apparently not an asshole from stories anyway. Well, Ron <laughs> Howard like, became a, like a cast member for a little while. He's he's on a lot of episodes. <laughs> if I'm like as this Ron Howard character. Yeah, we'll be seeing him again in about five episodes, I think, for Hello Gutter, Hello Fodder. 
that's the thing that they don't find a character for Mel Gibson here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that the, the the best celebrity bit is the John Travolta stuff. A, because he's not in the room, and B, because it's like it's a Simpsons character. He's silly. He's flying a plane all the time. Like, oh, it's a car. And he's asking him to move. Like, it has comedic weight, but not the Mel Gibson part. Mm-hmm. And he talks like Vinnie Barbarino. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah, I can't believe yeah. Nancy Cartwright, notable Scientologist, could not get the King of Scientology yeah. on for a line. What's good? What good? It's all those Thetan payments she's been making if she can't get Johnny T on the show. Her OT level wasn't high enough. Or low <laughs> enough. I forget how it works. Mm, I forget which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is Scully hanging out with his friend, and, like, he is the only credit writer on this. Uh, they say, like, he fully wrote this script, and they didn't make too many changes to it, and as far as, a, like, a self-insert script about hanging out with the celebrities go, this is pretty good, though I also think, like, if it was bad, what were what was the writer room gonna say? Like, hey, boss, your script is bad about the famous guy you're getting to do the show. <laughs> like, no, they can't say that. The Simpsons will be right back. Welcome to the break, everybody, and I hope your popcorn isn't in need of salt because we're really enjoying this week's podcast with our special guest, Stephen Sadak. Thanks so much for coming back on, Stephen, and everybody should check out his awesome podcast that he does every week, We Hate Movies. Check that out. And you know, that podcast, just like us, is supported on Patreon. Talking Simpsons and its sister show, the weekly What a Cartoon podcast, is supported at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. For just $5 a month, you'll get to hear every episode a week early and without ads like this one, as well as getting to hear our many exclusive interviews and podcasts that are on that website. For instance, if you're a Patreon subscriber, five bucks a month, every Friday you get to hear our limited series that's going on right now, Talking Mission Hill, where we cover the entire series of Mission Hill, including some of the lost episodes in the Talking Simpsons style. And you'd also get to hear all of our previous Patreon exclusive miniseries for Futurama, King of the Hill, and The Critic. So much cool stuff that you can only hear if you're a five dollar and a patron at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. But if you want to be even cooler than a Batman impersonator in Hollywood, then you need to sign up at the $10 a month level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You get all of that five dollar stuff I just talked about, but you also get to hear our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast where we cover a different animated feature film chosen by our patrons once a month often we're talking for over four hours about those movies movies like our most recent one toy story 2 this month we're doing space jam and we have a huge back catalog of great ones iron giant akira kiki's delivery service too many to name but it's a amazing back catalog of podcasts so please it's to hear over 70 hours of exclusive podcasting content from me and bob sign up at the ten dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons
I want to flash forward ahead of this, uh, the relationship with Mike Scully and Mel Gibson. They will be working on shows together like for at least the next five years. Uh, Mike Scully and his wife, Julie Thacker, would co-create with Mel Gibson a sitcom. Uh, and like that's one of the craziest things about the sitcom they make, Complete Savages, is that a co-showrunner of it is a woman. But it is like one of the most misogynist shows I've seen in a good long time. Yeah, based on the... Uh, what you're telling me about it it sounds like they're making an early 90s fox sitcom on early 2000s abc yeah yes. yeah which only happened because people want to be a business mel gibson i would say that i mean uh, all right well the, so the show is called complete savages show ran by mike and julie though mel gibson directed the pilot and two more episodes and he was very involved the first thing mel gibson directed after the passion of the christ is the pilot it. for the complete savages that's crazy and he also plays like a Troy McClure style character in yep. educational videos on the show. And uh, I watched that. He plays uh, Officer Steve Cox. And uh, the joke in the first one is that one, he has a ridiculous must fake mustache on that I think this joke is like Mel Gibson is wearing a dumb fake mustache. This is ridiculous. And the other joke is that he has a beautiful young girl with him who he tells to shut up, mm. which uh, very yeah, uncharacteristic for Mel Gibson. <laughs> Scully, you know, they did the show The Pits. Scully and Thacker didn't go. Scully went on to work on Everybody Loves Raymond. And then late 2003, November 2003, they sell the show, Complete Savages. And one of the execs they sold it to was David Kissinger, the son of Henry Kissinger. So. Listen, if you want to make a TV show, you got to work with war criminals or pedophiles or both. <laughs> Listen, that that Kissinger kid worked his ass off to get where he was, yeah. okay? I don't, don't want to hear it. He was waiting tables. <laughs> he paid all those dudes. He started yeah. in the mailroom. <laughs> uh, so I watched the first episode of Complete Savages, which is on YouTube, and uh, it is a show about a single-parent father who is the father of five boys, which is an inverse of Julie and Mike Scully's home, which is five girls, uh, though it is... The funniest thing is that... Mel Gibson has five boys and one daughter. And when he makes up his fake show, he's like, yeah, definitely the five boys. No hmm. daughter. We won't have the daughter here. No daughter. Nobody wants to see that. Yeah. And uh, and it is about them all being incredibly disgusting and gross and uh, a testosterone-fueled monster man. In the pilot, two women speak. One is the girl the boy has a crush on, so she has literally nothing to do. And the other is a um, fat girl who they all make fun of for being fat the entire episode but it's okay because she's mean mm, i see and of course it's a you know heavy set actress who has to be who oh and who's young too a teen so she mm. has to be called fat on a television show many times and it's really fun to watch uh, and also there's jokes about how the, the man's ex-wife left because she was a complete psycho who put glass in meatloaf and served it to people. So got a crazy bitch joke there too. Pretty good. I got to say fun. that, uh, we're good friends with Mike Scully. Hopefully after this episode, we still will be. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think the early aughts were just a rotten time for, uh, like humanity. Yes. So all the humor from that era is so much cruel 
cooler and so much uglier. It's hard. It's really hard to go back to. It, yeah, well, you're ma- you're mixing like South Parkian, like let's go really edgy and extreme with like dad jokes. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is a bad place to be. It was a different time, and he was writing it for the time. And also, I mean, you're writing it for Mel Gibson and to please Mel Gibson. So and he's like uglier, hate uglier. women more. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, that's why it's so shocking to me. Like Julie Thacker worked like this, but I also think oh, another thing that hurts the show is that they were too spoiled by simpsons so the mike scully years are some of the most scatological years of the simpsons and it works more than it doesn't i would say but the gross jokes on it work in part because or or the jokes about the father being cruel work because it's a cartoon but when you see live action people do disgusting things you just feel gross and dirty like they they actually kind of steal the plot from trash of the titans where in the pilot the boys refuse to clean up so they're just living in garbage and it's just gross like it's not funny at all it's only disgusting Case in point, when you watch uh, Homer Simpson choke Bart, it's it could be funny, it could be silly. You watch Robert De Niro choke Leonardo DiCaprio in this boy's life, it's not so funny. Yes, very, a very good comparison. So that was Talking Complete Savages. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Steve, where can <laughs> yeah. we find yeah. you? Uh, you can find me. Uh, the, well, the last thing I want to say about Complete Savages is the star was Keith Carradine, David Carradine's brother. Oh. Really underrated actor. He played Wild Bill Hickok on Deadwood right before this series premiered. Other Simpsons folks did work on it. Donick Carey, Brian Scully, Tom Gamble, and Max Pross. And even Dan Castellaneta plays a crazy science teacher in one episode. Uh, and he's doing silly voices as the science teacher. So it's, it's fun. But uh, yeah, no, it's a bad show. It's uh, it's not very good. Uh, Mike Scully would go on to do so many better shows after this. Like, I I like his Duncanville show. And he worked on Parks and Rec. He's, he, him and Julie Thacker are good writers, I think. But, you know, when you're working on a passion project for mel gibson that no pun intended why said passion. Yeah. But, when, but when you're doing that with mel gibson you make what he wants to make and uh i think he definitely hates women and so you do that the show got canceled january 2005 and of course that would only be 18 months before one mel gibson's <laughs> get pulled over in a classic prank of uh, anti-semitism and drunk driving operation sugar tits is uh, in offense yeah, yeah. and then yeah and then, and then of course the 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 leaked audio from the the voicemails yeah. it's all bad. can it's you believe that was 10 years ago that leaked audio that was 10 years ago on D- tmz the <sighs> but horrific stuff he did his community service by making the beaver he did make that beaver <laughs> no and i mean like folks like Whoopi goldberg robert denny jr jody foster they all spoke up for him of just like you know he has substance abuse problems he doesn't mean these things like i think when an alcoholic says things you should believe him but uh what do i know i'm not jody foster uh but also though like he it especially hurts his whole family man thing in this episode because he was known as the family man of hollywood because he would unlike many actors who go through multiple wives he was married to the same woman for like over 20 years he she left him the day after his 2060 wives so yeah that's a it's a good time to get out (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know he had uh, he's had a couple wives since then currently his wife is 10 years younger than his daughter is. Oh, so. I thought you are going to be like, she's she's 10 years younger than him. I'm like, oh, how refreshing. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Ten, Absolutely she's, not. she's 29, he's 56. Oh, oh. Yeah. 
Yep. Ah, so that's that's the Mel Gibson corner there, but I'm sure we'll talk more about it now. But uh, why don't we get into our first clip of the episode? One of the few clips that have nothing to do with Mel Gibson. Homer sees a commercial for an electric car. This feels like them being very... This is already the insideriness of like, no one in middle America could get to an electric car in 1999. This is all based think. on the fact that uh, David Merkin, one of the writers and former showrunner, was friends with Kevin Nealon of SNL. <laughs> and Kevin Nealon had... An electric car back then and he brought it to the to the uh, studio to show everybody and so that mm. was inspired by uh kevin nealon yeah yeah so again built into hollywood connections even the opening gag uh but yes after homer sees a funny commercial about kids choking on uh fumes and it being pulled away by an electric car which now that does feel dated everybody's got electric cars now like it feels feels weird to hear somebody bought a car that isn't at least a hybrid but though this could be our bay area bubble talking when i say that the electric thing really took me away i was like oh wow they did i i can't imagine i just don't remember even thinking about electric cars until like the documentary who killed the electric car yeah that came years after this too. absolutely yeah it actually is pretty forward thinking in the simpsons to do jokes of electric cars but i just lost all my petrol dollars by the way so this is very <laughs> insensitive uh the year those aren't worth the barrels they came in bob uh but yes uh they decide they're going to get a free gift and they head over to the electoris distributor Test drive the Electorus today and get a free gift. <laughs> My children deserve to see me get a free gift. I'm proud of you, Dad. Buying an electric car will help clean the air up and protect the Earth's supply. You're faking this to get the gift, aren't you? But I like the nice things you said about me. Thinking of saying goodbye to gas? You betcha. <coughs> Bart? Well, that shut me up. Hello. I uh, love your planet deeply, and I'm interested in purchasing one of your electronic autos. Well, it's always nice to meet people concerned about the environment. What kind of mint? First fart on The Simpsons? I think yeah. first, yeah. And it's Marge. It's a really weird fart. It's it's a sign of things to come, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Putting the... the first fart into Marge's butt in the show is a weird choice. <laughs> I think the joke works, though. Because I, Marge, it funny. it's the last person you think would have the inaugural fart on The Simpsons. That's true. And it's... Uh... It is. It feels like it's a comment about somebody complaining that Simpsons shouldn't have gas jokes, and then they have Bart say, "That shut me up." Like, but yeah, I think it should also be noted that when they're working on this, Matt Groening is hardcore into working on <laughs> Futurama's first season. So I think some things in here. I mean, honestly, if Matt Groening had the power he had before over the show, I don't think there'd be a Simpsons meet Mel Gibson episode of the mm. simpsons i yeah. i don't know i mean he was in the office so i'm sure he didn't like this talk took him entirely by surprise but we also know later in the season saddlesore galactica he's like oh, i never even watched this i only heard it was bad so he's kind of less involved in this season and i think that's how marge farting and mel <laughs> and hanging out with mel gibson i think that's how that happens uh, also, the commentary on this is is fun, but it is clearly recorded in like late 07, early 08. And Mel, everyone knows about Mel's DUI, but they are not talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which, 
uh, maybe they're like, ah, Fox would cut it anyway if we did make a DUI joke. Yeah, so I also think Homer in this episode is just written as irredeemable from the get-go. Just an awful monster. Uh, just using people and caring about nothing but free things. And uh, learning nothing. <laughs> and learning nothing, yeah. Which, when the dad on Complete Savages is written this way, it's just <laughs> mean and cruel. Like, I think without the cartooniness or your stored-up love of Homer Simpson, a dude acting like Homer Simpson is just an asshole. Yes. Yeah. You, you would not want to hang out with this Homer Simpson at all. Though I do think the, I think too, they are feeling the, I think this is a dirtier, meaner episode because they are feeling the pressure of Family Guy in South Park too. You know, they, they want to be hip and edgy. That's, that's where they are. That's why they kill a bunch of mermaids underwater in yeah, the next scene. Uh, first real mermaids on the show too. That scene makes no sense to me. Like one, Homer is so stupid to think he can drive his car underwater but it does work, kind of. It does work, and he's able to drive back. And he electrocutes a bunch of mermaids. Like, real mermaids show up in her. Which, like, I guess that's no sillier than in season four where Homer fights a giant tarantula to escape Yeah, work. yeah. But, I'll let them have their mermaids. Sure, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is an odd thing. Yeah, the, the, the alien, he's got his probe. Like, there's that stuff, the fantastical, like, a quick cutaway to a fantastical thing is fine. But, like, for some reason, Homer zapping mermaids was just like, I cannot... I'm not. I'm yeah. not there, guys. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, also Homer has never been this stupid he, uh, to this point. Like, he's just like, yeah, it's an electric car. It can drive underwater. That makes absolute. There's no po- starting point of that way of thinking. Uh, and then they somehow get that car the rest of the way back to there and just dump it. And it talks. Yeah, it talks. Not it hadn't talked before that, <laughs> but talks now. Sure. I like the talking. It's a good. It's a fun. Ro- <laughs> no, I'm no. always a sucker for robot jokes. You know, the Scullyers have a lot of in-pain robots who complain yes. about their pain. <laughs> Why was I programmed to feel pain? <laughs> uh, and so then I think one of my favorite jokes in the episode is the joke about how sitcom writing works. Yeah, it's like they, they have to wait for a scene to start before doing anything important. So like, why did we wait to look at these? I don't know. Seems odd. <laughs> uh, so who here has gotten tickets to a pre-released film as part of some contest or giveaway? Mm, never. Uh, Steven? No, I never did. I was never part of a test group. I did see Secret Window. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly a test screening, but it was like a, a preview screening. And I don't know. I, don't, I didn't get a comment card or anything, but it was earlier than the movie. You'll see those. Or you would have seen those on the streets of New York. People will, will try and get you for them. But they're always on like a Tuesday afternoon, which I can never make. Ah, uh, okay. I in, the ones on the streets of New York, I've gotten the like, do you like comedy ones, but not <laughs> not a movie offer. Uh, but in uh, suburban Florida, I did get to do one of these once in a a giveaway. I think it was through a mall or something, but it was. I got to see a pretty good one, 2003's Hellboy. I got to oh. see that at a time. Okay. And oh, me, nice. me as a comic book fan, I was dying to see Hellboy anyway. So getting to see it early felt pretty good. Was it a full-on test screening where you got the card, or was it just a preview screening? I bet we were being filmed, or the execs were like listening to reactions, but I didn't have to fill out a card or give reactions to it. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah, that's probably what happened with my secret window as well. But yeah, I've never been. I, I would would have loved to have gotten the card one of these days. And this commentary, because they just put out the movie, <laughs> it is so full of talking about test screenings and how they're haunted by test screenings and just how it's a flawed process that does not make your movie better. That's why 
other movie. I, we don't like the Simpsons movie, by the way. <laughs> we just did a podcast about it a few months ago. Our buddy Matthew J just did a podcast about it through his uh, podcast network. I, I can't stop thinking about it recently, and this brought me right back to that about them saying, "Look, oh that one woman, that one woman in Portland almost lost us the the throw the goddamn bomb joke," and just yeah. just talking about all of these instances and just trying to judge people's faces in the audience, and it just it seems awful. It seems like a, not a good thing for comedy <laughs> to be. Focused I mean, look, I, it kind of makes sense to like you know you know if you if you're writing a, a funny a sketch show you want to perform it a couple times to see which jokes work and cut this joke and cut that joke but like it in practice especially because the audience is going to be so vast it's hard to just sort of say well this guy didn't like it so it's got to be terrible or this guy loved it it's got to be the best yeah i mean i think in general you could diagnose later simpsons years with a sense of a lost confidence in their their writing like they they second guess themselves too much in general but the show's always had like a lengthy rewrite process and changing lines up until like the day it airs like that's they did that so yeah. i can see why they extended that process to test screenings for the movie but i think they just had too much time and money for the movie so they could overdo it like for the tv show they got an air date so they can't keep showing it to audiences but for the movie it seemed like they're just like the description they have on the commentary of like they're watching two different audience tapes at the same time which have to all be in night vision too you know so they're just watching a night vision audience react to stuff and you're like did every single person in the audience like this one joke or not and how can you make a funny movie that way yeah and a lot of the scenes they're watching are just unfinished animatics that are just like still drawings that are snapped between so yeah it's just it's a hard thing to judge yeah I like on the commentary, at least Matt Selman can be like, maybe this is a flawed way to make movies. (laughs) Like, this is what they can say when Al Jean or Jim Brooks isn't in the room. They can get away with that. You're always better off just guessing, like, what makes the people in the room laugh? If if that works, that's, you know what I mean? Like, and what makes me specifically laugh as opposed to what makes, you know, the lowest common denominator chuckle, you know? Now, I mean, you know, it's good to listen to other people's advice sometimes, like someone you trust. You don't want to completely close yourself off to the rest of the world like say mel gibson does but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> well actually yes so mel gibson enters into the story here and we get to hear again this it feels weird now hearing marge so strongly compliment mel gibson but i do think this is really how a lot of women felt then and but i in case the viewer doesn't know who mel gibson is yeah yeah i and i wonder too if this is if if we say homer is mike scully do you think he did this is him joking about how he's kind of jealous that how much his wife loves mel gibson more than him at that the time seems like it could be part of it yeah <laughs> hey we never opened that envelope to see what our gift is we didn't that's on Seems like we would have done that right after we left the car place. I know, but we didn't. Well, here it is, so we can open it and find out now. Perfect. Aw, oh, movie tickets. It hardly seems worth destroying a car. <laughs> there passes to a test screening of a new movie starring... <gasps> Mel Gibson! Who else is in it? Who cares? Mel Gibson! Mel Gibson is just a guy, Marge. No different than me or Lanny. Were you or Lenny ever named Sexiest Man Alive? Well, I'm not certain about Lenny. Besides, it's not just his chiseled good looks. People Magazine says he's a devoted father, goes to church every week, and likes to fix things around the home. Let's make love. Uh, okay. Uh, you're thinking about me, right? Of course, homie. Aren't you thinking about me? I will now. That's great. 
<laughs> I forgot there was that extra zing to the joke. Yeah, that's I laughed at that. I uh, am now. I like that Marge. I always like when Marge gets to be a sexual being on the show and not just yeah. a cooker of things. I like that. I also like. Uh, I like the me and Lenny runner. It's a funny. It's a funny <laughs> gag. It's, yeah. It, yeah. They finally are. We we just talked about this. In our interview with John Vitti, where he talks about creating Lenny and how he regrets how Lenny and Carl are just these lame characters who somehow became major characters. And he said, he said he felt like Lenny came into his own when the writers realized that Lenny is such a weak character. You joke about what a weak character he is. Exactly. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, Marge's compliments to him just sound sad now. Though also reminds me of uh, that story Winona Ryder shared, which was pretty great, about in the 90s, she was at some party with him and he told a very anti-Semitic and homophobic oh, joke to her. Nice. Well, when he found out she had a Jewish background, he called her an oven dodger. Oh, uh, Christ. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I, th- I think Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder shared that after it was uh, public knowledge of, of Mel Gibson's You know, she's a peach. She is. <laughs> she got worse treatment for stealing a bag yeah. than Mel Gibson did. From some rich person store. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. Shoplifting v. anti-Semitism. I know which, where I'm going to land every mm-hmm. single time. Uh, th- thankfully, stranger things happen, and and Winona is back. Uh, Wino is at least on a higher level now again. All this stuff about Mel Gibson. It uh, they also mentioned in the b- that in Nancy Cartwright's book, she talked about how turned on she was meeting yeah. Mel Gibson at the recording. So you know, I guess, yeah, maybe it's just a middle, uh, especially at the time, like a middle aged woman fantasy of like Mel. And you know, he was a daddy. He was like you know handsome in that way. I suppose it just mm. it is so weird, like to watch, like fawning over him like as a teen idol kind of. But though this was also before we had all of the, you know, testosterone fueled monster men who are stars yeah. in the movie now, like even Mel Gibson is in great shape in Lethal Weapon, but he looks nothing like uh, Chris Evans or uh, Chris Hemsworth looks any of the Chris's. They they have different uh, G, uh, like growth hormone bonds <laughs> that, that Mel Gibson can have them. Uh, yeah, it, it is so weird to think about how quaint, like you watch any action movie, even like, you know, a, a Van Damme movie who is always in like really incredible shape but like he's so small and like even like (laughs) just uh, you know chris hemsworth office worker is just this enormous hulking tree of a person that's like this is just a different world we live in (laughs) uh but uh yes so we head to the screening we get like an ain't it cool news joke which that's crazy yeah yeah Yeah. that uh the the joke of somebody going to a screening to then report about it online that was how ain't it cool news made their bucks back in 1999 like you'd go there to see like what oh they found somebody who got to watch star wars episode one months ahead of time what happens in it what's it what's it all about is that troll uh is he canceled now oh he's that, 10 that ogre? times canceled okay. uh, harry knowles you yeah mean? yes he, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is right highly canceled yes. thank god <laughs> so it's funny they created it they didn't need to make up a harry knowles for that joke it could just be comic book guy <laughs> Uh, this show got me. It was funny. I, I like, and I, I had, I, had, I like that he brought his entire huge desktop computer. The mouse afterwards is really funny too. <laughs> I, I think now you know, unless you're a super secret movie like an MCU movie, I think you just accept that you'll, you'll do test screenings, and somebody will probably share the, the facts online about it. Like, oh, it's part of our old job. We saw a 
Guardians of the Galaxy before release? Were they did they take our phones away or did they just say you will go to jail mm. and we will murder you? Yeah, I think they just warned us no phones. Yeah. yeah. But uh well and also we as part of our job too, I got to see like Wreck It Ralph ahead of time and they're like, just don't tell anybody, okay? Like, but but that wasn't an MCU film. The Guardians one was actually pretty loose for an MCU film. I was surprised. Uh, but these test screening things, they still get out. The last time I read uh, an interesting one of those was I still haven't seen uh, the most recent X-Men film. And as a comic book fan, I thought I'd never miss an X-Men film. But uh, when I read the test screening reports from that Phoenix movie, I was just like, no, I can't <laughs> do it. Not an, You can't get me again, X-Men films. It's tough. It's it's a, it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> I, I'm... And I'm so forgiving of it because I'm such an X-Men nerd. And I like and I, I always kind of thought that that second cast or I don't even know third cast at that point, the Sophie Turner, Jean Grey and all that stuff. I was like, oh, there could be something there. And I kind of wished for more and it never really happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I think the the team X-Men has some of the best women in superhero comics, their characters. But I think many of the people who were making those movies didn't really care to write them in, in any interesting they way. They were into boys. That's why. Um, well, yes. One yeah. of them was. <laughs> okay. I'm an apocalypse Allegedly. apologist. I'll be honest. I, I, I will I will be an apocalypse apologist until I'm dead. Uh, well, we, we, we better just end this X-Men talk now. Then. <laughs> this call is over. <laughs> uh, but okay. Sadly, it's time to play that old oh. death jingle here because we've got a, a big guest. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. Yes, so Edward Christian is played by uh, Jack Burns, who passed away in January of this year. Yeah, just yeah. recently. It's so sad. He yep, was around uh, for a long time. He was part of the duo of Burns and Schreiber, and mm-hmm. he was also George Carlin's first comedy partner before George Carlin went off on his own. Wow. Oh, I yeah. forgot that comp part. I, I also knew him. He was the head writer of the first season of The Muppet Show and okay. also wrote the first Muppet movie. He's got a great voice, a great froggy voice. He's very funny in this. And uh, I have a, like a little clip of uh, mm-hmm. the sketch they uh, borrow from in this episode. <laughs> It's one of the most famous sketches between uh, him and Schreiber. It's this uh, sketch with he is playing an annoying taxi cab passenger. And if you play the clip, Henry, I'll signal to you when to stop it. We're salesmen all, every one of us. We're salesmen, you know. What do you guys sell? Huh? What do you sell? Huh? What do you sell? Uh, we sell uh, with tinsel, salesmen. Tinsel? Yeah, tinsel. You know. Tinsel? Tinsel, like you put on your Christmas tree, you know. Like, like you put on your Christmas tree. Uh, Remember now, you told me you're uh, you're not of the uh, Christian persuasion, huh? No, I'm not persuaded. You got it there. Oh yeah, that thing like, <laughs> huh, yeah, huh, yeah, huh, yeah. That you hear that twice in this episode, and they're taking it right from that sketch. But uh, yeah, Schreiber, I think he died in two thousand two. Uh, he was caricatured in another Mike Scully episode as a taxi driver in with, Cuba. Oh, yeah. in Cuba. Okay, yeah. The, uh, so he looks like Mario, basically yes, yeah. Schreiber. <laughs> Back when people actually grew Mario mustaches, he had that mustache. It's funny, Captain Lou Albano got that job instead of him. And maybe you know, honestly, he was too good. Schreiber was too good for the the Super. Mario Brothers Super Show. I always thought Captain Lou was a little too big, like size-wise. Too tall, man. You know, you need a shorter gentleman. 
or a taller and, guy to play Luigi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need to you need to go one way or the other. As as a short fat man, I was like, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jack Burns like Scully loved him. It's one of his favorites uh, comedy idols growing up. So of course he's going to put him on the show and and have him do funny stuff. Though the Burns and Schreiber references in this episode were lost on me until oh, this viewing. Yeah, like yeah. these never came up in like comedy clip specials or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah. To, to our generation of comedy nerds. It's like, I think the dudes like our Mr. Show guys, they didn't love Burns and Schreiber. They weren't fans of them. So you'd never even hear about them. Their their bits are funny. It's fine. The genteel and the Jew joking about things. (laughs) Yeah. I had to, I, when I looked this up, I was like, oh, because the voice of this guy, I mean, because, you know, Mel Gibson is the celebrity. And I was like, well, this is not a Simpsons cast member. Who is this guy? Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a really good voice. Let's let's hear about this executive and how impressed the people of Springfield are. Good evening. I'm Edward Christian, Assistant VP of Finance and Distribution at Polystar Pictures. You should have brought the camera. Also with me tonight are the dynamic duo, William Milo and Robin Hanna, who greenlighted all of Shaquille O'Neal's movies, including Kazam! How's the popcorn, guys? Needs salt! (laughs) 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 Welcome to our test screening of Mel Gibson's directorial follow-up to Braveheart, a remake of the Jimmy Stewart classic, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I shouldn't have passed on that. (laughs) Now, after the film, I'll be handing out these cards for your opinion. We then take your cards to Hollywood, California. (gasps) And change the movie based on your suggestions. Any uh, questions? Yes, over here. Thank you. Hi. Will there be any flubber in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm afraid not. Ah, for crying out, Glavin. I just I love how enchanted the Springfieldians are with his meaningless job title and also yeah. the executives. Uh, the, yeah. the executive, all great. I I mean the Simpsons were really into mocking executives at this point in the show, pretty openly. I thought it was kind of weird, and it was a weird kind of through line. I think I don't think it's really specific, and it's not uh, not on purpose. But it's it's bizarre that the the movies that were that were making fun of directly in this are all black movies it's yeah we're talking about about the the shaquille o'neal movies then booty call is directly shit on which again it's not a great movie and then later on it's a gibson simpson joint like all three of those are really specific through line like these are crappy movies and they are all of those movies except spike lee of course are are crappy but it's kind of it was a weird like specific bent to the episode that i didn't see the first time around they they do mock godfather that's the one the godfather yeah i should say but other than that yeah i mean i guess there were no Polly shore move like who was the was uh, out of yeah. it then yeah who well, was mockable in 99 as like a lame boy. leading person or a lame comedy a guy who couldn't open a film david spade and, probably yeah, i guess you could, spade, rob schneider would be a fine one to yeah. do yeah yeah though he's you know he was protect he has a little bit of the adam sandler protection at this point you like, well can we really <laughs> i mean what, what what this is about is who you're allowed to make fun of in hollywood because lots yes. of people make bad movies but they don't have to be worried about Shaq not hiring them in the future you know and that's a really good point this does uh, confirm that kazam star shaquille o'neal not Sinbad, so historical yes, proof. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm glad we're past that now. <laughs> <laughs> like you could, it's not another reality. You're just wrong. Like you know yeah. what I mean. Like you're just wrong. And and you misremember a black actor in the in the wrong film. Like yeah. yeah I. Uh, it's also funny to think of a time when Shaq would play anybody other than Shaq in anything. Like, yes. <laughs> now he stars in uh, car insurance commercials, right? And and, pa- and Sha- Papa John's commercials. All right. So. Yeah. I. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Papa John's has a uh, a Mel Gibson like comeback they need to make as well. <laughs> uh, and I think it's smart of them to like. Shaq is a beloved uh, celebrity. Everybody loves him. Also African-American. So you get away from how racist Papa John Schneider was. And honestly, you know, I think they should just change it to Papa Shaq's. Just call it Papa Shaq's. I would definitely order Papa Shaq's. You can do like the big dunk soda that you can get or something like that. He can bring back the Bigfoot pizza. Yes. Yes, Bigfoot pizza. I would call it Uncle Shaq's though because he's more of an uncle figure to me. That's true. I wouldn't call him a Papa. But they got, I mean, that Papa branding, they spent a lot of money on that. But if you eat too much Uncle Shaq's, you die of a Shaq attack. So (laughs) you don't want that. Uh, Yeah, the problem is it would be like, oh, here's the too big pizza and I would order it and then it would just be a bad situation. It's "It's a Shaq-sized pizza. And it's like, oh no. Uh, Shaq, he's a fun guy. I like that Shaq. He's uh, uh, though Kazam is. Have you guys done Kazam? Uh, no, but I, I, it's, it's a, it's in the, it's, it's gonna have to happen. That movie is <laughs> insane. That kid dies at the end of it. It's Whoa. fantastic. Yeah, and then wished back to life. I haven't seen this film. I, but I read a synopsis ahead of time. I know you guys did Steel, which is the only reason I know things about Steel. Yes, <laughs> Steel's quite bad too. Uh, that was the last time he played a guy who wasn't himself in a movie. I think. Yeah, Steel was like, oh, I mean, and it sort of looked good on uh, in a Wizard magazine when sure. you put it up against the comic book character. Like, cool. But then he has to kind of like say stuff and move, which he could not do. The behind the scenes on that Steel film is so sad because it's like Quincy Jones wanted to make a major African-American superhero movie. And he used all the juice he could to make it. But like ultimately Warner's like, ah, we're not giving you enough money in the Superman movie. It was supposed to tie into, we didn't make that anyway. So fuck it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah, you get s- saddled with Shaq as opposed to a real actor. Like there's a world in which that movie could have been good. You know what I mean? Like, or at, important for the time, but it wasn't. And it wasn't. But uh, Kazam is a genie that lives in a boombox. Let's mm. not forget. That. <laughs> and, and it's really just, an excuse for Shaq to rap because he is also he knows Shaq Fu he's great on the court and he is a rapping man uh, but uh, you remember he even would uh, oh yeah you didn't watch Jackass but like there's an episode of Jackass where they're like we hang out with Shaq this week and Shaq's just goofing around with him he just seems like a great hang like you yeah. know what I mean like you're just gonna have fun if you go to Shaq's house he's gonna be clowning on you but it's gonna be fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes executives Edward Christian Robin Hanna William Milo named after Mel Gibson's wife then wife Robin daughter Hannah and sons Edward Christian William and Lewis uh oh wait no there is no Lewis in there Lewis got left out of there oh, man so what did he do what did he do? I don't know but my, <laughs> but uh but the rest are the names of his kids yeah when I heard these names I'm like well these names aren't funny so something's <laughs> up yeah I should have realized I didn't know that until doing the research that again it's just a a big winkaroo there and uh unbelievably Mr. Smith goes to Washington has never been fully remade though the closest i could find to a remake of it is actually billy jack goes to 
Washington. Mm, very different movie. Which, uh, if you don't know the ridiculous Billy Jack films uh, <laughs> about a uh, Native American action star made in the 70s, the fourth one is the craziest where he becomes a senator and gives a speech about conservation to the Senate. And he, he does the filibuster in it. That's pretty awesome. I've never seen a Billy Jack, sadly. Oh, that, that there'd be a good one I've, for you guys. I've heard too. they're all like four hours long, though. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I don't think I'd watch that then. Uh, also, uh, Flubber had just been uh, released in 1997. So a current joke about Flubber there. I, I, I kind of love the, is there any Flubber in the, in the <laughs> it's a funny joke. It's it, the idea of going to a non-Flubber film expecting Flubber. I'm laughing. <laughs> and uh, yes, is Mel Gibson there is the question on everyone's mind. Is Mel Gibson here? <laughs> no, sorry, but like all celebrities, he's in Hollywood attending benefits for various diseases. Did they like it? Well, they haven't seen it yet, Mel. How'd you get here from L.A. so fast? John Travolta flew me in his jet. Now I have to help him move next weekend. <laughs> he deliberately waited till we were in the air to ask me. You know, you really didn't have to make this trip, Mel. The screenie's gonna go fine, believe me. I don't know. I think this movie was a big mistake. All I do is talk for two hours. I don't shoot anybody. What was I thinking? You shouldn't worry about the movie. William and I both think it's fabulous. And I think we know a little something about the movie business. <laughs> oh, Robin, you've got to see the director's cut of Booty Call. It's fabulous. What, even better than the original? Because that was pretty fabulous, too. <laughs> and I've seen Booty Call. Look, there's. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. For a movie about a booty call, it does yeah. what it sets out to do. And it taught us all the important word booty call. You know? Exactly. <laughs> that that booty call lives on in our hearts. Yeah, that is another we're trying to have sex, but we got to find a condom comedy kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Again, very nineties. Very nineties. Lots of talk Troj of dental dams. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a saran wrap scene in that, isn't there too? <laughs> you, you ever uh, Trojan War with the kid from Boy Meets World and Jennifer Love Hewitt? No. Oh my God, no. Uh, so exact same premise, but much whiter. Oh wow, man! That weren't they a real life couple? That those two. Oh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, at least you, you, meet, you meet on the set of a Disney adventure shoot. <laughs> was that a writer strong? Uh, no, or? oh no, that was Will Friedel, the kid who did okay. Batman Beyond. Ah, Force. Terry McGinnis. Yeah, yep, that's yep. right. Yeah, writer strong's uh, got to be a made up name, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, Travolta and Gibson—they've never been in a movie together. I don't think they're actually like showbiz friends. I mean, one's a Scientologist, one's a hardcore Catholic. Will they ever get along? <laughs> uh, in in my Getty images search the only photo i could find of travolta and gibson together was at a 1993 panel at show west with uh, hmm. it's the two of them and sandra bullock talking about movies so that's uh, but they've never as far as i could see they were not ever in a film together and Better i actor travolta i think I, uh, uh, yeah i also i i would say that travolta has more bad movies made than mel gibson oh, he's making them right now like right now in yeah. quarantine he's somehow <laughs> making bad movies but but I think Travolta's bad movies are more interesting and entertaining and less racist than Mel Gibson's That's true. movies. Like I, sure. even his uh, stupid uh, Gotti film, I'd watch that before Dragged Across Concrete. <laughs> it's not for critics. <laughs> it's not for <laughs> you guys. And yes, yeah, so they're watching Mr. Smith Goes to Washington remake. 
Homer misremembers that Harvey the Invisible Rabbit is in it, which... Uh, he mixes up Harvey and that, and It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, yeah, yeah. All Jimmy Stewart movies. I'm surprised Homer even remembers those things. Like, that's another <laughs> thing that doesn't work for me in this episode. Homer is portrayed as a person who loves movies, which I'm like, yes. when? Huh? Since when? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why Homer ever liked a movie. Uh, and... Also, like, who is somebody else has to star in this film other than Mel Gibson? But I, I like to think behind the scenes, nobody wanted to work with him. He's huh, a monster. The screening's over. Everybody loves it. That, again, it's just like, God, it, it feels like such a real dick suck to be like, and everyone in Springfield, of course, loved the movie, except for Homer. <laughs> it's the greatest film they've ever seen. Then Mel proposes he's going to pee in an alley, which apparently he really did uh, to avoid. I get it of uh, being a movie star wanting to avoid a men's room and being trapped with fans. That makes sense. He said that uh, he actually did that when he was coming in to record because he's like, <laughs> I never use the men's room at a screening because people will corner me. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to stalk a celebrity, check the alley first. That's where you need to look. Frequent public urinator Mel Gibson. The I, least of his uh, crimes. <laughs> I was waiting for my... We were going camping once uh, a couple years ago. My wife and I went up to upstate New York and we stopped off at a, a, like a nicer rest stop that had restaurants and stuff in it and all sorts of stuff. And Uma Thurman, I'm waiting for my wife outside the bathroom. It's like, you go to the bathroom, I'll go to the bathroom. We come out. I'm waiting for her while she's in the bathroom. And Uma Thurman goes into the bathroom. And I I looked at her and she gave me this look of like, please do not talk to me. I'm really close to (laughs) a bathroom right now. You total weirdo. And I'm like, but you're Uma. uh, uh." And I said, I said nothing, which is always the move. I know how celebrities can go crazy. Like, I get it. You, You walk around and you know that every person person knows you like that that would drive me insane i so i get it i get it but uh yeah the the mel gibson here like everyone loves him when he is revealed and everybody turns to him i do like yeah you get a nick uh dr nick actually gets a joke it's been a while since he's had one with his hi everybody and also talking about callbacks I doubt it was the writers, but somebody on the animation team gave a shit to draw a new McBain and Space Mutant movies in yeah. the background. Like, yeah, I appreciated that too. Like the first uh, Space Mutant reference in season three, probably. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about that in the when we did the first Space Mutants episode in the season one thing we just did. How it's like, wow, they stopped doing. They just gave up on Space Mutants after the third season. Uh, but yes, uh, Mel Gibson meets Springfield. Is Mel Gibson here? No. It's Mel Gibson. Hey, everybody, rush over there. Hi, Mel. Mel. Hi, Mel. Hi, Mel. Mel. Hi, everybody. (gasps) Hi, Mr. Gibson. Thanks for coming, folks. And don't be afraid to be completely truthful when you fill out your opinion cards. Honesty is the foundation of the movie business. Oh, we'll be honest. (laughs) We could never lie to you, Mel. (laughs) Um, will you be reading the cards yourself, Mel? Well, I'll be reading yours, personally. That's it. I'm telling Mr. Stupidest Man Alive what I really thought of his movie. Hey, Gibson. Uh, yes, sir. Got a pencil? There you go. (laughs) Thanks. Waste my time in front of it, stupid. Appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate it. That's a good one. I I also like that Mo is as, as in love with Mel Gibson as Marge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's very besmitten. But, uh, I also I do like the line, "Honesty is the core of the movie business." That's a that's a funny <laughs> line. See, these comments about Hollywood aren't so bad. It's just I hate hearing them through Mel Gibson's voice. 
Yeah, I mean, and he even like hits the hi everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it, you can imagine in a lesser, not a lesser celebrity, but like a, a less interested celebrity would not hit the cadence to get that joke right. Yeah, again, Alec Baldwin didn't try half as hard as this. I won Kim Basinger too. Like both were kind of just on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Homer, yeah, Homer's reaction to him is just this feels like how they've written Homer many times since with celebrities. Like you get all the jokes about Homer hating a celebrity first, and then you get the jokes of Homer liking them and becoming their best friend, which I think too, like the plot of this is that Marge likes Mel Gibson. I think of better episode would be marge hanging out with mel gibson uh, get her out of the story who cares about marge is, is the perspective it here. is so weird that she dis- i mean like they don't disappear they go to hollywood for no reason it should just be homer going to hollywood if that's what we're trying to do but like yeah it, it, and again like you're setting up the whole thing as this romantic rival thing and then it dies immediately because it's funnier for homer to be wackier i guess is the idea yes yeah like uh well first let's hear about uh, how the test screening went the movie tested through the roof now the sea captain gave it four R's. Bumblebee man says, movie bueno. And we were worried about the Latino market, huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Huh? Worry. Come on, they can't all have loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it despite absence of flubber. Glavin? Oh, here we go. Your movie was more boring than church. All you did was yak, yak, yak. You didn't even shoot anybody. Damn, I knew it. Uh, don't do this to yourself, Mel. The guy's obviously a nut. Maybe. Maybe he's the only person with the guts to tell me the truth. <laughs> Turn the plane around. I want to go to 742 Evergreen Terrace. But you promised to help me move. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was uh, the same voice he used in, uh, yeah, it looks like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, from Itchy and Scratchy Land. But yes, I also like how uh, apparently Frank writes down his Jerry Lewis exclamations and not just like weird uh, <laughs> yeah. sort of affectations he has. He just writes them down. He wrote out G-L-A-I-V-E-N. <laughs> he wrote it all out. <laughs> Uh, I think they're making a point here about how you shouldn't, how it's bad to listen to the one negative voice among a a bunch of compliments. And that's, that is tough to do as an artist. I think that that, that's a point they're making here. That's part of it. Yeah. And it makes sense because everybody loves it. And he, but also I think that the idea, at least partially is that Mel Gibson wants this to be a shoot him up movie for whatever reason. Like that's, but it, it never makes Mel Gibson out to be stupid, which it should, if that's the case. Yeah. They yeah, are to trust Homer. You That's know, true. Is, is a real uh, lapse in judgment. Yeah. And also, like, uh, you know, this Mel Gibson movie, the one thing it lacks that makes it feel like a not a real Mel Gibson movie is Mr. Smith isn't tortured in it, you know? Uh, filibuster <laughs> yeah, is so, torture, yeah, right? Nipple I stuff. Guess. No nipple stuff. That's true. You know, he. I guess in passing out from filibuster is torture-ish, I guess, but he needs to be, like, physically hurt for him to to get off as, a, as an actor, I think. The idea of an episode where Mel Gibson's private jet flies down and then flies the Simpsons from their home to Hollywood, that feels so far removed from the reality of season one we just did. It's like, it's ridiculous how far things have come in a decade. Yeah, I also, I do like the Simpsons are going to Hollywood gag and now they're here or whatever. And like, it's (laughs) the the Marge bit is very funny, I think. Uh, But Mel needs some help with his movie. I'm looking for Homer Simpson. And I've been looking for you too, pal. Pound him, Dad. All right, don't. Quiet. Dad's going to get his butt kicked by Mel Gibson. Knock his teeth out, Homer. <laughs> Listen, Gibson, I'm tired of Hollywood pretty boys like you and Jack Valenny thinking you can have any woman you want. You see this? 
It symbolizes that she's my property and I own her. Mr. Simpson, I need your help. Uh? I think you're right about my movie, and I want you to help me make it better. Really? You want my help? Marge, did you hear that? Mel Gibson wants my help! Mel Gibson! But, Dad, I thought you hated me. Shut up. <laughs> so Lisa playing the viewers slash writers here who go like, you just hated Mel Gibson. Yeah. Why? We need uh, another half a show, Lisa. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, and I, I do like Bart trying to egg his dad into a fight with Mel Gibson. I, that's a, not a bad joke. But yeah, Homer completely turns on a dime for no reason other than they need a plot of Homer hanging out with Mel Gibson. And I do think the tension between the Marge and even like the Marge this is a better written episode. It would be uh, there'd be a little bit of Marge being jealous of Homer hanging out with Mel Gibson because that's kind of what the first movement is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, carry that over a little bit. Uh, at the time of this airing, Jack Valenti was 78, hmm. and he would retire in 2004, pass away 2007. He uh, was the longtime MPAA boss who he created the rating system. Yeah, he yeah. thinks he's God's gift to women. <laughs> he's uh, also my favorite uh, freakazoid joke. I was thinking of that. Yep. I loved how he explained how you'd leave Timmy and Tommy at home, and Grandpa would be the only one going to see the NC-17 movie. That was a good <laughs> joke. That, I, I do think Mel... Likes that Homer has a very Old Testament way of viewing marriage. I think he Mel Gibson really likes that that the Marge is his property. Then comes a bunch of jokes that uh, feel really different. Oh man, the now. first one I'm like, ooh, that that changed for you, didn't it, buddy? Oh yeah. Homer doesn't know anything about making movies. Don't sell your husband short, Mrs. Simpson. She's always doing that, Mel. <laughs> Homer is a brutally honest man, completely tactless and insensitive. <laughs> Guilty as charged. The problem I have is people love me so much they never criticize me. I speed <laughs> all the time, but cops never give me a ticket. If I don't pay my taxes, the IRS pays them for me. Oh, you poor thing. It's hell being Mel. Come on, jeez. I don't have much time, Homer. Will you come to Hollywood with me? You had me at hello. I didn't say hello. Yes, uh, not getting pulled over would not be a problem for long. Yes, yep. <laughs> Give it seven more years, Mel. <laughs> uh, again, and they just talk right over that on the commentary. They got nothing like, to say. Yeah, <laughs> but you can I hear just them. want to keep it going. Yeah, you can hear the collars being tugged in that room. <laughs> yeah. to the limit. <laughs> Which uh, it was, yeah, he was first in 2006 pulled over for speeding and then failed a DUI. And it also had like an open container in his car. That's uh, that's Malibu cops for you. You can't drink if it's closed, Henry. So come on, (laughs) give him a break. Also, you know, I don't want to fully rag on this episode, but I do think in 1999, you had me at hello jokes were a little old. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm going to veto that one. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, And now, I don't know, if you make that reference now, do people know it? Is Jerry Maguire that remembered of a movie? Uh, I think people know that line, but they don't know it comes from that movie. (laughs) Yeah, similarly, show me the money. People like will be like, oh, they'll roll their eyes and show me the money, but I would have no idea where that movie came from. I mean, like, obviously, people of a certain age would, but I mean, like, a a 20-year-old kid probably knows... A kid, by the way, because I'm a really old man. Uh, a <laughs> 20-year-old person would know what Show Me the Money is, or you had me at hello, but probably not know the movie. Yeah, probably they'd be like, today I learned Show Me the Money came from a movie? I thought it was just a cool thing to say. Uh, so, yes, the Simpsons fly away. They have a great joke about how they, for commercials, will say lines like, the Simpsons are coming to where? And yeah. Marge is saying it. I love that Lisa craps on it. That's, yes, that's, that's a good joke. It's a good button. 
They land in George Kennedy Airport, a joke about how that actor starred in four different airport movies. Oh, I forgot that was a joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, also, it's just a funny, like, instead of John F. Uh, right. JFK yeah. Airport, it's George Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd rather fly to jo- uh, George Kennedy than uh, uh, Bob Hope. I'd, ra- I'd prefer it. <laughs> George Kennedy lived a lot longer than most of those Kennedys, I'll tell you that much. For, you know? You know keep that, Ken- that other Kennedy blood out of there. It was all that <laughs> breath assure he took. <laughs> uh, it's uh, And I didn't even know him as the airport guy. I knew him as the joke dude that was hired for the Naked Gun movies. Like... Uh, what a silly character he was in those. He's very funny in those movies, actually. Yeah, no, he's he's a great. He was a great actor, one of America's best. So then they head to Polystar Pictures, which it definitely is supposed to look like the entrance to Paramount Studios. I think uh, one of the most like parodied. I think it's like one of the most famous studio entrances in Hollywood, other than of course the Warner Brothers lot with mm. the uh, the water tower. And those Animaniacs are in there. <laughs> And uh, then we get a joke about how down-to-earth Mel Gibson is. A minivan. Oh, boy, you celebrities sure know how to live. What is this, Toyota Previa? Dodge Caravan. (laughs) Sweet. Look, they're making a movie. Robert Downey Jr. is shooting it out with the police. I don't see any cameras. Okay, (laughs) while Mel and I are working, why don't you guys do the town? I hear all the stars eat at a place called... Planet Hollywood. Can I stay with you, Dad? Sorry, son, but we're going to be very busy. Mel's movie really stinks. Boy, that Artie J joke also pretty dated, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did he do his Oprah apology yet? Or? Yeah, but then he got arrested again. Okay. I think this is, I think he was arrested another time when he was on Ally McBeal, and that's like two or three years after this. But it's a funny, I mean, it's just funny the shoe, how the shoe is on the other foot. Like, yeah, like RDJ yeah. in this episode is the joke, and Mel Gibson is the hero, and now likely you'd do that the other way around. Yeah, they, they've, they have changed positions, you know. Dr. Doolittle nonwithstanding, Robert Downey oh. Jr. is like one of the biggest stars in the world now. That movie, God. <laughs> uh, the, and also Robert Downey Jr., he was one of the people speaking out on Mel's behalf and saying that Hollywood needs to take him back. Like, yeah, What a good guy. What a good guy. But, you know, in 1999, you're writing this joke, you are gambling with Robert Downey Jr.'s life. Like, what if he OD'd before this came out? It's like, a joke. You can, really point. Thankfully, it's not like plot relevant, so you can cut it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in real life, Mel Gibson drives much better cars than Dodge Caravan. Or you can do ADR and say it's Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, the joke works the same. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Mel Gibson, you know what he was driving when he got pulled over in 2006? Brand new Lexus he was driving Figures. Nice. And uh, it's also funny they make a joke about Planet Hollywood because in two episodes, they go to a Planet Hollywood parody again. Like, that's that's the one where Lisa says, there's no Kane in Citizen Kane. Oh, that's the one, yeah. And, like... uh Lisa, Marge, and Bart and Maggie get the story that uh, Lisa and Marge got in the New York episode that Steve was on yeah. for our podcast. Yeah. Wow, that's true. <laughs> and another Robert Downey Jr. joke in that as well. Oh, so the- yeah. Now, the, it's actually, you know, you mentioned that, how Bart has to stick around with them. I think that's why they have a line where Bart says, can I stay too, Dad? Because normally they'd be doing a Homer and Bart adventure while the girls do something. So I wonder if that's why they had Homer go like, actually, this time, Bart, you all also aren't involved in the Homer adventure. You go away too. You're in subplot land with the girls. It's not even they don't even get a subplot. Just like leave them in Springfield. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? At that point. But then you can do jokes specifically about walking on down Hollywood Boulevard. That's a good point. Uh so we go first to the editing room. They do a joke about animating something at double or 
filming it at double speed, and then they did actually just speed up the animation. Good work there in the editing machine based on the one at Film Roman. It's hmm. uh, it's the real-life one they were using. And uh, on the commentary, they point out that Mel Gibson, in real life in 1999, fully recut a movie and changed it. Payback. Oh, right. Okay, that was his most recent movie as of this uh, episode. Yeah, yeah. And so what him and Homer are doing here is what Mel Gibson really did with the film Payback, which uh, I remember liking that one. Have you uh, a fan or not, Stephen? I don't think I've ever seen Payback. I was never really a Mel head. So I, <laughs> I, I, I've got like huge gaps in my Mel Gibson uh, filmography, which is which I've actually never bothered to fill in. Uh, but yeah. I've, heard, I've heard Payback is fun. I, 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 in talking about it now, I think I saw every Mel Gibson movie or <laughs> almost all of them that was released from Mad Max to, I think, well, Women Want was the first one I skipped. I think I was you like, know, I don't need to see that. I saw Ransom, a movie about paying something back, and I figured it could skip payback after that one. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ransom is a, is a hell of a film. Give me back my son. <laughs> that's all I remember. Did you see Conspiracy it, Theory? I like that one. Actually. Oh, that's right. You know, I, Conspiracy Theory is, uh, I've also seen that. That's got to be a stay tuned just for the Patrick Stewart alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did uh, What Women Want, and Homer recommends a funny hat montage. There had to be one of those in that movie <laughs> set to I'm Too Sexy, right? Yeah. It, it, I think it's, a, well, he's got a dumb hat. I think there's a fun dress montage. He's taking his daughter out, and it's like, oh, that's too sexy. That's not sexy enough. Yada, 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 that whole thing. Doesn't he also wear women's stockings in it, too, to feel like a woman or something? Or am I getting inside something? the female psyche? Yeah, that's right. Poor Helen Hunt. Man. <laughs> Poor Helen Hunt in general. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, she just had the comeback of, of Mad About You, so she's doing great. It's unwatchable in that I don't know where to watch it. It can't be watched, <laughs> no. Um, so, yes, uh, the Homer's helping with the movie, and then we get a fucking Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant blowjob joke in 1999. Okay, this opening scene should be in fast motion. Everybody likes that because it looks funny. I don't think so. Okay, here you need a musical montage where you try on lots of funny hats. It'll let us see your playful side. No. Yeah, but just no. Uh, for those of you who've always wanted to see the famous Brown Derby restaurant, Ooh. that's where it used to be. <sighs> and on your left is the notorious spot where Hugh Grant Ew. filmed the movie Nine Months. <laughs> I know that's a We Hate Movies episode, Nine Months. It is. Yeah, in the way in the way back machine, you'll find that one. Yeah, it's that's a horrific film. Uh, like Robin the, Williams. The Hugh Grant thing. I'm sorry. Robin Williams in that movie playing like a Russian doctor. <laughs> yes, right. yes, you're right. Uh, and t- a lot of Tom Arnold, a lot more, and like Julianne Moore is like the put upon wife. It's just an an odd fit for everybody. I wonder if he was not caught on that day. If he would that film be remembered at all in any way? That's a good point. Because but the- you were. At- you Grant's back. You oh, know. he came back like with eventually. He came back within two years of that blowjob, and he broke that phone hacking case, right? Yeah, he did. He's uh, honestly, he's 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 gone quite heroic compared to Mel Gibson in the years since then. But it it was indeed on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. where he got busted too. So uh, in 1995, but uh, a knock on nine months is pretty funny. I, I it, <laughs> yeah. but it's a little dated too. 
Though, for me looking up filming locations, wrong! Nine months was filmed in the Bay Area, oh. not in Los Angeles. Uh, that's I think that's why uh, Robin Williams is in it. Because, like, well, Robin Williams lives in Tiburon. We're filming here anyway. Let's just have him for a scene. Yeah, that he's, makes sense. He, he's got that coat from Patch Adams. Just yeah. put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that inspired him to do Patch Adams afterwards. He, like, oh, this coat fits. I don't wear this. So I could be a, a less silly doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but so Bob and me, you know, last year, me and you stayed in basically the areas they're driving by in this episode. We, oh, yeah. we stayed on Hollywood Boulevard and uh, are right off Sunset, I think. And uh, what's missing, it's at, it does actually look a bit like how it looked even in 2019 when we lived there, except no Scientology buildings. Well, that's true. We, we stayed right by the Museum of Death, the anti-psychiatry building that scientology owns. it's got a great name yes yeah it's and it's free admission we were uh, a couple times we joked like what if we went in there but we knew we'd never come out we'd <laughs> never be free and uh, the brown derby was indeed demolished the original one that was on hollywood boulevard it was destroyed in the 94 northridge earthquake then comes probably the most remembered scene from this episode or the 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 most memed joke i would say as homer has quite an important suggestion for mel you want me to replace the villain with a dog? I mean, nobody will know what's going on. They will if you set up that the dog is evil. All you have to do is show him doing this. <laughs> and people will suspect the dog. <laughs> Maybe this wasn't a good idea, Homer. I'm sorry I dragged you out here. Let me pay your bus fare home. Uh, 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 <laughs> now here's your biggest problem of all. The filibuster scene? That was Jimmy Stewart's favorite. And it was fine for the 1930s. The country was doing great back then. Everyone was into talking. But now, in whatever year this is, the audience wants action. And seats with beverage holders. But mainly action. You really think the end is boring? Oh, Mel, it's the most boring piece of garbage I've ever seen. And it's not easy for me to say that. Hmm, I guess it is a little flat. Okay, let's reshoot the ending. I'll call the hair and makeup ladies. You see if the Teamsters will work for free. Piece of cake. Now where's that kid with my latte? I don't like hearing Homer do a where's my latte joke. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I know the joke of it is that Homer is being out of character here, but I, I still don't really like it. We were learning about what coffee with milk meant <laughs> in 1999. Like, those Hollywood snobs with their two liquids mixed together. <laughs> Uh, that shifty-eyed dog—that is the most endearing meme of the this episode. I think I I see it shared every now and then, especially in my Simpsons meets pro wrestling fandoms out there. Uh, and everybody did. We all wanted beverage holders on our cups. Yes, They're, we did. We and we got them. We got them. It feels weird if I go to a theater that doesn't have a beverage. If holder. I go to like an old timey theater, I'll accept it. But I hate having like a, a giant cold soda on my crotch for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, again, it, it's been weeks since I've been to the movies. I am ready to have a cold soda on my crotch. Oh yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Any kind of sensation down there would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, now you go to the uh, Alamo Draft House and you don't even. Uh, I spit. 
spit on a cup container on the thing. I have a table right in front of me. I a ninja will come out and take uh, it away. And, and let me know when my movie has 30 minutes left in it. Like that's that's my biggest complaint with those ninjas that come by is that they do like they I know when the movie has 20 minutes yeah. left because they drop the check. That's why I like I'm I'm really like I like Alamo quite a bit as a chain. I, I like what they do and all that stuff. And I certainly love drinking at movies. I'm a fan of going to those movies only for like uh like blockbustery stuff. Like stuff mm. that I'm like less invested in, like from a cinematic level. I'm like, cool. You know what I mean? Like th- you can distract me all you want. Let's get a beer, let's get a, uh, some good food. Like horror doesn't work there, drama doesn't really work there, I feel. I've enjoyed many a Marvel film there for sure. Exactly. They're perfect for Marvel movies. I think the last Alamo Drafthouse film I saw was that Harley Quinn movie. And uh, I got to drink one of their alcoholic milkshakes and mm-mm, tasty. Uh, those are fantastic. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was before. Yeah, in the before times. Uh, in the before times. Uh, but uh, I do like Homer saying now in whatever year this is. That's a funny joke. Because intentionally not having Homer say the year because this will be rerun forever. Though that still didn't stop them from this episode being dated. <laughs> and uh, there's a funny joke in see if the Teamsters will work for free. That's that's kind of funny. <laughs> then comes a joke I don't think is very funny and I didn't even clip it out. But just like, so is the joke that they think Ellen and Anne Hayshire are annoying because they are talking about being lesbians Too all open. the time? I mean, there are now some good reasons to hate Ellen. Oh, yeah. This is oh, not yeah. one of them. Uh, they have a lot of fun with that Eddie noise, the barking dog noise, because yes. you hear it at the end of the episode, too. Yeah, that's right. They really like that hot barking dog howl, yes. Yeah, I, I think that I think you're right, Henry. I, I was confused, thrown by that too. Just like the where I guess it's like, yeah, we're just, we get a we get it joke kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she kind of made that her brand, which like it was important back then. Mm, but yeah. I could see why people would be like, come on, that's enough. We're sick of hearing about. It. Yeah, well, I mean, also like others. Our other beloved comedians were making fun of it, too. Like, I know Mr. Show did a whole joke about how everybody knows that David Cross is bald, but he then comes out as a bald man on the show. And that was mocking the obviousness of Ellen's sexuality, which, like, you know, again, when when she did it, it was a big deal. And it it did open a lot of doors. Now Ellen is an insanely rich, like, uh, jerk, pretty much now. (laughs) Sure. uh, and and best friends with uh, with George W. Bush. Let's call her buddies. what she is a super jerk. A super <laughs> yes. And and Anne Hayes, Meanwhile, she went back to the men. You know she's. But also, I feel like they're punishing her for being bisexual. I don't know. There's, yes. Yeah. I know that that was the, there was um I think it was the movie I think it's Bullworthy that Steve Martin Eddie Murphy movie. No, Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Yeah, Bowfinger. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I always get those mixed up. Bowfinger, where uh, uh, Heather Graham plays like an L- an Anne Hayes type that mm-hmm. falls for a woman and then doesn't fall for a woman all for the power like it's it's a real specific like 90s joke of like these everyone's trying to be a lesbian these days because it's in in quotation marks kind of a thing the commentary that i got at the time was like bisexuality was just like a myth it was just an excuse you're making like you can't do both come on you're just gay right you're either just gay or you're pretending to be gay for attention for attention definitely yeah that is sadly a still prevailing theory uh (laughs) no there's there's a lot of biphobia i feel bad for my bi brothers and sisters and non-binaries out there who have who have had to hear shit about being like like bisexual is not real, but it's just staggering how much that comes around. Yeah, man. And Anne Hache is an early lightning rod of that. I yeah. no, I mean Anne Hache too. She's uh yeah, actually that bowfinger joke 
it's more mean-spirited than that even because I do believe Steve Martin wrote that movie and he was a former partner of Anne Heche's and this was a direct uh, attack on her of just like the Heather Graham character dates him early in the movie and starts dating, moving up and up with who she's dating until it's the most powerful lesbian in Hollywood is who she's dating. So uh, yeah, I think it was Steve Martin uh, getting getting a little revenge on an on an ex, I believe. Uh, all right, so they refilm the movie. Clearly, they must have gone insanely over budget to refilm this new yes. ending. Uh, and boy, if the Simpsons they love a joke so much, they reused it. Here comes two. Yes, I mean yeah. it just runs in the family, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, last heard in season nine's Natural Born Kissers. And it's too early to make this commentary, but to me, it feels like a commentary on the patriots because mm. all i remember about that movie the the criticism about it was like it's so violent it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's it's the violent side of the american revolution that you don't see that's usually sanitized and that's the movie he would make next summer yeah yeah i mean uh, most mel gibson films are very violent like yeah but though not he made in, jesus violent <laughs> he made it the most violent thing i i saw the passion in the in the theaters just because i i wanted to know what was up with it and Jesus fucking Christ. I like <laughs> Ebert Ebert that was not a joke intended there but I uh Ebert made a really good point in his review where he was which he gave it four stars but he's an ex-Catholic yeah, kid, so I get that. But, he did it out of Catholic guilt. <laughs> but but in his review he said this is proof that the MPAA would never give a film NC17 for violence alone because this is an NC17 film. Absolutely. Yeah, this violence, though, is much more in the lethal weapon style. I mean, in the scene, Mel Gibson even does his curly impersonation that he did in Lethal Weapon. Did it escalate to him doing the curly run on the ground? I don't believe <laughs> okay. that happened. I didn't. That's, I don't recall Lethal Weapon Four. That's so. the funniest part of this is when he does it on a table with a machine gun. That is pretty good. Yeah. I love that he does impale the dude with uh, the American flag, uh, which is great, and cutting the president's head off. By the way, which is illegal to show. I think. Yes. Yeah. That's. Uh, it was a different time in the in the Clinton White House, I guess. And also, I love the design on the president that he just. Lo- I'm the president. <laughs> Uh, and also the Homer writing himself into the sh- movie with a wink to Mel is funny, but it also is fully a commentary on the cronyism that made this episode exist. Yeah, too. like uh, yeah. Mel has many Homers in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, when he says play the movie Louie, like Louie's the name of his uh, of, of someone in his uh, world. His parrot. Yeah, play. <laughs> but it's well, I gotta say, great animation by the animation team and the Stephen Dean Morse team. Like the the explosion of the Capitol building, really well done. I think it's the funniest part of the episode. It, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's it's just a, such a silly. It reminds me of that uh, the Marcus Zorum joke that they make. Uh, is that later? That's the, later. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Like you know, take a pot, pot shot at like Hollywood action movies that, that that have no bearing in reality, where you can just behead the president, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and uh, the tossing of his senator badge is, is funny <laughs> too. I do like that. That's I believe that's a Dirty Harry reference. Okay. And uh, yes, yeah, as the uh, the I think another thing that doesn't work in this is that the studio. Okay, I guess they hate it because they say it's not a prestige film, but they would never tell Mel Gibson to his face he made a bad movie. Or try to kill him when he steals the thing. Also that, yes. yeah. Uh, But yes, the studio has some notes. Pretty cool, huh? You, uh, 
You chopped off the president's head. But you didn't see that coming. You impaled a United States senator with the American flag. Why did Mr. Smith kill everybody? It was symbolism. <laughs> he was mad. But this was going to be the studio's prestige picture, like Howard's End or Sophie's Choice. Ugh, those movies suck. I only saw them to get Marge into the sack. P.S. Mission accomplished. But we've already bought five Golden Globe Awards. I don't make movies to win awards, especially now that I have two Oscars. I make movies for guys like him. Yeah, guys like me. Who are you, anyway? Do the words executive producer mean anything to you? Executive producer? We'll talk. You've desecrated a classic film. This is worse than Godfather 3. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. Let's not say things we can't take back. All right, all right, I'm sorry. But this film is never going to see the light of day. <gasps> Look, they're towing away a Range Rover. <gasps> There's no... Yoink! Come on, Homer. We got a movie to premiere. We've got to get that film back or we'll all be fired. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Fired. I, uh, a little bit of Mel's Australianess is coming out. We got to get to that movie premiere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that. It's, it's weird that he's, he's able to muffle it so well in mm. this, uh, throughout his entire life. I like that after he got in trouble, Australia's like, no, 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 he was born in New York. He's not our guy anymore. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, I just the idea of carrying around this fake accent forever is very bizarre to me. Like, even just doing interviews and just hanging around, be like, no, I'm an American. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, I think uh, I think a lot of Mel Gibson is a phony facade covering <laughs> for, for something far darker. But the uh, the plot gets extremely crazy at this point. You have to forget about like the logic in that. Like, There's more than one print of this. Uh, there's also yes. security guards on the lot. Also, the executives wouldn't chase down Mel Gibson yep, in yeah. public. Yeah, none of this would happen. It's uh, You're right. It just becomes a silly caper that, yeah. uh, again, when the executive producer of the show writes it, you don't question as much in the writer's room i think yeah i think it's it's just in aid of having a big ending kind of a thing and it's yeah. like I, you know I, I just i prefer more jokes honestly <laughs> it turns into the action movie homer wants mel to make yeah that's yeah. true like they sort of have their own action movie i guess they get to have the joke of what if mel gibson was living an action movie in real life like there's there's that comedy. But so they, I do like the joke about Godfather 3 in that Mel is like, hey, let's not go too far. Make fun of Godfather 3 as if everybody's allowed to make fun of Godfather 3. Like it's it's the one movie it's you're allowed to say is bad. safe mockery. Yeah. Uh, also, those jokes about buying Golden Globes, like that's, uh, it's it long been a held conspiracy and probably true that the Golden Globes are much easier to influence and purchase than uh, the Oscars are. Was, uh, Pia Zadora was the smoking gun for that one, right? She's famously the most, yeah, she's at the time had a billionaire husband who bought the, uh, who was friends with people who worked at the Golden Globes. I, when, I, when I looked at that story, one of the funniest things to me was that John Waters says he loved her in that movie, and that's why he cast her in in Hairspray. He's like, no, I love her. Like, she's great. And yeah, also Homer insisting upon himself as an executive producer. That just feels like a repeat of the When You Dish Upon a Star thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's kind of filling the same role. Like, uh, you know, he starts off as an assistant, but then, you know, becomes on the same level as the people he's working for. Yeah. Well, that's there's only so many types of jokes you can make with Homer befriends a celebrity. And yeah, I just, I wish they'd at least space these out more than a year from each other, at least like and or like just you know Mel. I mean, just I it always works when you either have 
if it's much shorter, again, like a cameo and or you just do a thing wherein, you know, he's playing a character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a totally different character than, you know, like Ed Norton later on when he shows yeah, up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that always works so much better because at least you can put it in the world that makes any sense in this world. Yeah, when Susan Sarandon was on the show, she played a ballet teacher like that. That's better to me. I I, I much prefer that type of guest star because it at least challenges them to make up jokes for a character, not a celebrity. Unfortunately, they could not get Irene Ryan on the show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Man, I, yeah. I kind of appreciate how just how uh, desperate and sweaty this joke is. Where it's just <laughs> yes. like, guys, the joke works. It kind of doesn't work, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Irene Ryan, a.k.a. Granny from Beverly Hillbillies, yeah, yeah. who was dead in 1973. <laughs> and so uh, I get but I mean, this is the, this is the ages of the uh, writers. Yeah. And I watch a lot of the show when it was reruns. I love it. It's so, a, it's a yeah. fun show. I, I'm more of an Andy Griffith and Green Acres guy, but I, I do like Beverly Hillbillies. Always uh, missed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, that's not where I'm at. <laughs> uh, they, uh, it also feels like an incredibly insider joke that apparently movie executives own Range Rovers, I guess. A lot of them do. Just like a, it was like a, calif- like a highfalutin Californian thing, right? Because we have the character Range Rover Mom oh, in the that's show. Oh, true, yeah. So yeah. it's just like a, an annoying person of up like higher class. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, saving Irene Ryan coming a year after saving Private Ryan, of course, uh, that definitely feels like a critic joke to me. Ooh, for, it for does sure. have the stink of the critic on it. <laughs> and of course, Al Jean is back on the writing staff. So, uh, but yes, uh, the the duo escape. Give us the film. Never. And on your left, you'll see Rainier Wolfcastle filming his latest movie, Saving Irene Ryan. You put me down, you big lummox kid! Shut up, old lady, and stop kicking me there! Watch out, coming through! Over! Landmine! I'm on it! Right, Mr. Gibson. Night, Gus! I'm getting too old for this crap. How old are you, anyway? Well, I've been told I can play anywhere from 28 to... Sorry, I asked. I think the Irene Ryan joke was more relevant than the she's having a baby joke. Yes. Yes, she's (laughs) still... Or she's having a baby again. I'm like, no one remembered that movie 10 years before this episode, even. Yeah, not one person remembered it. Like, as as someone who would often play the Kevin Bacon game with friends. This one never came up in my uh, linkage either. Like it's just, I, I used to remember every Kevin Bacon movie. It but... stars him in a lesser Ali Sheedy. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever her name is. Uh, Mumbly Jane. Yeah, Mumbly Jane. No. <laughs> yeah. Again, that, that kind of reference to a film from 1988 feels pretty criticky to me. Feels pretty criticky. <laughs> Uh, I do like how much, how often Irene Ryan is kicking him in the balls. I like that. Yes. Uh, also that Homer drives into the landmine. I, I thought the joke was that Mel's telling him to avoid it and Homer drives into it to explode and go These into the air. These are active landmines on a movie set. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, and yes, they get in a too old for this shit joke, which is normally said by Murtaugh, not Riggs. Uh, though in, I believe, Lethal Weapon 4, the joke is that Mel Gibson's character 
also is now too old for this shit. I think they say we're, we did that episode. Uh, uh, we did that a couple of years ago. I don't know if they say we're getting old for it, too old for it. It's, it's a lot and there shouldn't have been a fourth lethal weapon. I'll get, I'll go that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, I think the first 10 minutes of lethal weapon four, where they fight the iron man guy. Yes, that's that fun. Yeah. That's just a good little cartoon, but everything after that completely useless. I, and I watched it cause I wanted to see Jet Li's first U S film. That's, that's why yeah. I saw it. Same reason I saw Romeo must die, uh, which, you know, be- I, hmm, is it better than Lethal Weapon Four? Maybe. Probably. I haven't. I haven't seen that in forever. Uh, but uh, yes, the joke too of Homer. I do like the one joke at Mel Gibson's expense is that Homer is just like, sorry, yeah. 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 Like, Mel Gibson could not play twenty eight in nineteen ninety eight. No, no, not gonna happen. Yeah. He was a he was, craggy twenty nine year old, perhaps. <laughs> he was forty three then. So. Yeah. And uh, these days, well, the last time I saw him, I guess, was uh, a couple of years ago, and he just had a gigantic crazy man beard. Yep, yep. During, it's a director's beard. Yeah. <laughs> Which but I don't think I... I got angry all over again looking up like, oh, yeah, he was invited to the Oscar roundtable and he, like Barry Jenkins, ha- uh, the director of Moonlight, has to sit near this asshole and talk about the craft of making film. Like, infuriating. Not fun. Though what is fun is the Hollywood Auto Museum, which... Uh, <laughs> it's actually in Las Vegas. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the, but they do have a lot of these things, don't they? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like a lot of these, like... Uh, I guess uh you know roadside attractions yeah yeah i looked up that they uh at least one of the locations they don't have the 66 batmobile but they do have michael keaton's batmobile and they have the monsters dragula which i always forget that the dragula song is about the monsters car yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, also herbie the love bug knight rider general lee the flintstones car from the uh live action film but they don't have the authentic uh, burt ward or adam west yeah they don't they they need to get them they could have gotten there. adam west adam west was doing family guy around this time yeah absolutely <laughs> would have done this joke as well maybe you know in like four years adam west will play himself in a batman scene on the simpsons but for some reason they didn't go for him i don't get it but hank azaria does a great adam west oh that's really good yeah yeah uh, but yes homer and the family meet back up wow these gummies look pretty good well i've had a lot of surgery old chum shh mr lamato said he'd fire us if you didn't stop <laughs> bothering the customers Homer, what are you doing here? No time talk. Need steel car. Must say powerful but controversial movie. <gasps> Hello? Quick, Mel, get in! <sighs> Forget it, Homer. Let's just give him the stupid movie. Movies aren't stupid. They fill us with romance and hatred and revenge fantasies. Lethal Weapon showed us that suicide is funny. That really wasn't my intention. Before Lethal Weapon 2, I never thought there could be a bomb in my toilet. (laughs) But now I check every time. It's true, he does. Movies mean that much to you, Homer? They're my only escape from the drudgery of work and family. No offense. Oh, what the heck. Let's hit the road. Shove over, Junior. That thoughtless destruction will surely bankrupt the museum, old chum. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, uh, this just proves that movies are terrible for Homer. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I do like him. I mean, it's so cruel, but I like him saying like the uh, how shitty his family is right in front of them. They're just, just kind of like ashamed. Them. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, but also just more Homer being awful. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, my favorite line from his very confused speech about his love of cinema is lethal weapon showed us that suicide is funny. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Very, very funny. Uh, I think that's, and I, I do like, uh, Gibson's, well, that's not really what I was going yeah. it, 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 to. It's, it's a good gag. Uh, and, uh, though now when I hear Homer talking about helping Mel Gibson with a powerful, but controversial movie like that, it feels different. It's it true. Yeah. Like now. in this episode, they say this is his next directorial movie, but the next one would be passionate. Of the Christ. It's like Braveheart and then Passion of the Christ, yeah. which are like eight years apart. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just, uh, Apocalypto then came just two years after Passion. And uh, yeah. then there was a big break in his films for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Why. Uh, and that's uh, Burt Ward, fake Burt Ward, is Carl Wiedergott. I thought that was him. And uh, I do believe that uh, Mr. Lamato is again a reference to an old manager that uh, Mike Scully had as a teen. So I believe Mr. Lamato had been brought up before by Squeaky Voice Team. Mm, okay. Uh, but yeah, they they said they admitted even on the commentary Homer's speech was, took a lot of work, and they just were never fully sure on this speech Homer was making. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, I do think that it, it's got a good joke in there, or one or two good jokes, but a lot of it just sort of is a bit disjointed for the character mm-hmm. then we get a drive by chinese man's theater and man's chinese theater uh and now that's just called the tcl theater it's not chi- uh, or i guess tcl's chinese theater now maybe mm. uh i've never you know i bet we've driven by it but we've never been, i've never been to that i've been there uh that's where all the the uh handprints and stuff are yeah yeah, yeah i was there once check that out i want to at least see c3po's footprint i want to see that <laughs> yeah ne- never did it and uh, then we get a very mean joke about uh, Judge Judy looking mannish, which uh, the, they will pay off in a, in a year or two. I can't believe they do it twice yeah. they, in a much more transphobic joke, too. But well, what are you talking about, Bob? That's not Judge Judy. That's Judge Constance Harm. Uh, it's it's similar. A totally different She's character. just as rich as Judge Judy and looks just like her. <laughs> but yes, the uh, the chase is happening. And uh, he asks the one time Mel talks to Lisa in the episode is asking her to drive the car. Mel has an idea. He throws seemingly himself off of it, but it's really a dummy. Oh no! We killed Mel Gibson! You all saw it. He came at me with a knife, right? Wait a minute. He's just a dummy! I know, but he sells tickets. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great idea, Mel. Now it's my turn. What are you doing? I'm tired of running away. Did Braveheart run away? Did Payback run away? It's time we showed those suits what we're made of. The heck is that? Well, the one on the left is Mel Gibson. I don't know who the other two guys are. Will you please tell me the rest of the plan? It's your plan from Braveheart. Your army mooned the enemy until they could take no more and surrender. No, they didn't. They attacked us in a horribly bloody battle. Remember? Actually, I didn't see it, but on the poster... Joe! Homer's ass just stops that car dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm remembering how they drew Homer's ass in Rosebud, and they draw his ass twice as big in, the, in, in season 11. 
Yes, they really do. I also love, um, well, I watched on Disney Plus, and did anyone else uh, have um, Homer's ass blacked out with a bunch of hair? Uh, Daryl Hannah's hair. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Creeping yeah. over the back of it. Well, I, can, I pulled out my DVDs for this. So it's like a moving carpet sample. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, if you listeners haven't seen it, somebody found on in, in Splash, uh, which Daryl Hannah, like, she, it was a PG-rated movie. Like, it's not a dirty movie, but I guess if you freeze frame it, you could see a little bit of butt crap i mean you can see butt for like three seconds on the screen it's not like a it's not like a frame thing but that's too much for disney plus they they added we're a family corporation we've got to digitally add a bunch of weird hair because (laughs) a we need this movie but b we cannot have a butt it looks like she's being attacked by a triple before she goes into the water It is disturbing. Uh, yeah, but Homer's ass is enormous here. It's fantastic. I, I, I kind of like that it it stops the car dead and the joke about like, oh, uh, it's Mel Gibson and some other two guys, which is kind of funny. Homer's ass is so big, it looks like two asses. Yeah, I... I he could be in gigantic asses. <laughs> he could be. He's the, that's Homer on the cover of that. That's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I also love how long they hold the silence on. I know, but he sells tickets. That's yeah. a good one. That's good. <laughs> And I do like the joke of people not remembering who the lead character in a movie is. So they don't say the main character of Payback. They say, did Payback run away? This is where Wall Street gets arrested. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, it's a joke that I, I'm a sucker for. Bra- calling Braveheart Braveheart is great. Yeah. It's why you name movies the name of the main character. It, it, oh. Americans can only remember so much. Uh, But yes, also Homer and the mooning. So obviously there's no Mel Gibson, you know, torture, which he loves. But Mel Gibson does love mooning and showing his ass. So Hmm. they did get that in there. Homer's memory is correct. The troops of Braveheart do moon the the evil English and also flash their dicks for a minute, too. Like for a second. There's definitely some dicks in that movie. Yeah. If you would like to see Mel Gibson's flaccid penis, it's uh, it's there in the film. Braveheart used to be a very remembered movie. Uh, Mm. Speaking of South Park, there was a whole South Park parody of it with the turkeys. Oh, yeah. That's right. And I just never saw it. Uh, I saw it when it was new, and it seemed normal. And then I remember uh, revisiting it, and people pointed out how... uh, homophobic it is like uh oh right yeah there's like the son character who's like vilified horrifically the the joke is that the the king's son is clearly gay and the king then throws his son's lover out a window as kind of a laugh line in the movie Hmm. yes fun times fun times but then in a very odd scene jump cut homer's ass is stuck in the car and then it cuts to the premiere. So I, it's, there's no explanation of why the movie executives are not after the film anymore. I guess uh, Lisa drove away with it. I <laughs> or, I mean, maybe the move is like, oh, they're going to threaten to sue. But again, like you just need that one line. Just all that. Yeah, they, the, the lack of explanation feels like nobody gave a crap. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is the chase isn't that funny to begin with. So like to to even diffuse it with not a joke is like, well, or it's a joke, but it's not like to make it totally meaningless makes it totally meaningless, I guess, is the idea. Oh, I also read in uh, in the Mel Gibson pranks section of his Wikipedia page. Oh, boy. <laughs> he enjoys mooning so much that to lighten the mood on the set of Hamlet, he even would moon ca- uh, other actors on the set. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. I'm trying to do fucking Shakespeare here, pal. Did you 
You just relax. Yeah. You're not allowed to yell at Mel Gibson because he'll probably hit you. Yeah, exactly. That's I love hearing about celebrities like him or George Clooney going like, I'm a bit of a prankster on set or like that entire documentary about how Jim Carrey was pranking everybody on the set of Man in the Moon. <sighs> Anytime someone's a known, a known practical joker, that means they're probably not that good of a person. Just it, it's a re, it's it's not a red flag; it's like an orange flag. <laughs> Maybe you could be. They could be the one nice prankster. Uh, but yeah, so it, let's cut to just as the show does abruptly to the premiere. Homer, are you okay? I think so. No. All in favor, say. That digital sound really lets you hear the blood splatter. I don't get it, Mel. How can you be so calm and cool? My stomach's full of vomiting butterflies. Okay, that's it. Let's get ready to meet our public. Well, that was disgusting. Worst ending ever. I think I'm going to be sick. I'm Jimmy Stewart's granddaughter, and you'll be hearing from my attorney. Ow. Oh, we should have put in the dog with the shifty eyes. So I think Mo would like this movie. It's honestly. so disgusting that it turns yeah. Mo off. I guess, and I, I feel kind of bad because we've just been script doctoring this entire episode. But now I think that they should have saved the the violent cut of the movie for the end. Like that could yes. be the treat at the end. Like we see the reaction of the executives. Like we cannot show this, and then at the end of the movie, you see what they watched, or the end of the You're episode rather. Yeah, because yeah, it, it just sort of the the ending doesn't have any oomph to it because everyone's just reacting to what we've already seen. Yeah, you know that's a good that's a good pitch, Bob. I like that. Let's call Mike Scully now. We have his phone number. Yeah, I get- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do like the drawing of Homer trying to walk with the car stuck in his butt, by the way. That's a funny It's drawing. a real pants around your ankles kind of walk. <laughs> uh, but the the meanwhile, the vomiting butterflies thing, that is very ADR, too. Mm. Like I don't know that everybody hates it. I feel like people would love a violent film like that. I don't know. I uh, But I guess I'm just as confused as Mel Gibson is here. And it, the big final speech, which is a joke about how the opposite is true. Everyone in America loves violent things, but... This does, knowing out of context, it feels like Mel Gibson complaining about PC culture, I think. Well, I'm sorry I ruined your career, Mel. It's not your fault, Homer. I guess there's just no room in today's crazy, gentle America for violent dinosaurs like us. How did the country lose its way, Mel? <laughs> when did we stop rooting for the man with the flamethrower or an acid spraying gun of some kind? I blame the internet. And the return of swing music. Well, whatever it is, we gotta get rolling on our next picture. Hey, what about a prequel to something? Everybody loves prequels. I don't. Ugh. Okay, Mr. Difficult. How about a teen sex romp where you and your buddies are always trying to get some? No, wait. A ghost who wins the lottery. You could be the ghost or the lottery commissioner. Ooh. What about Indiana Jones? Does anyone own the rights to that? <gasps> hey, Mel! I fell out! That's the park they love. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, I prefer Homer's movie about the driving instructor from the future whose best friend is a talking pie. For some reason. Yeah, for yeah. some reason. Which is from the last uh, star-studded episode That's that we a did. Be- I can see why Brian Grazer bought that yeah. idea. Yeah. Now that- a ghost who wins the lottery is the best uh, joke out, out yeah. of those. 
I do. I do actually like you're at the sex romp of him and his friends trying to get some. Obviously, he's so incredibly old. It'd be, <laughs> kind of... <laughs> It'd be like Last Vegas. He did that with his uh, last wife. Uh, who, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, what Homer's joking about there is very 1999. Though he's he's complaining about Star Wars prequels, then basically describes the plot of American Pie. And I felt like there were like five different uh, lottery movies in the 90s. Like it could happen to you and Lucky Number and. Our are these uh, are these movie pitches done like without the characters on screen so they can kind of fill them in later? Yes, That's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, also it's funny. Homer jokes about who owns Indiana Jones. They are now both owned by Disney. I know these observations yes. get old, but it's it's it still is weird. It's still weird to think about. Uh, also, they apparently had a different ending planned where a a relative of Apu buys the film rights and it's a huge hit overseas. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I I think that's at least, I think it's at least a more unexpected place to go with the joke is this they they state that the film is bad and then the surprise twist would be oh but everybody loves the bad mm. film when yes. everybody hates a bad film it, it at least it's not it's the expected thing well the twist is the shifty eyed dog convince everyone in springfield to turn against mel gibson ah, <laughs> you're right yeah, yeah. This is a bit of a whimper of an ending for sure. At least with a shifty-eyed dog, though, that's pretty great. Like, at least yeah, I mean, yeah, you got you want you want the shit you 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 set up the shifty-eyed dog at the beginning. You show him at the end. I'm laughing. Yeah, that uh, it leaves me with a laugh anyway. And you know, maybe maybe all of Mel's troubles are really that shifty-eyed dog. He's been plotting yep. against him all this time. But it's only up from here. No more <laughs> problematic guest stars, except for Kid uh, Rock. <laughs> yeah, nah, boy, I think we got some more. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, again, Mel, boo, he sucks. As, but I totally, again, I totally get why this was a season premiere. One of the most famous guys in the world. Yeah, it's a great premiere for 1999. Yeah. A big star-studded one. It's, and uh, I, I I just feel, I guess I do regret a little bit that, unfortunately, because of scheduling, season 11 has to start with us being so negative about, about a guest yep. star. Yeah, We're going to have more fun, don't worry. Yes, yeah. Well, you got the We Hate Movies guy here. He's got to be negative, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you made us be negative. You famously <laughs> hate things. You only hate I do. Things. That's my whole thing. <laughs> get up hating stuff who would hate a movie (laughs) uh yes but steve uh tell us where we can find you online and of course about your great podcast yep uh you can find me at steven sadak it's spelled not at all like that it's uh s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s-h-a-d-a-k on twitter we i I do a podcast with uh, my friends uh we hate movies which is a uh weekly bad movie podcast coming out on tuesdays we just are finishing up this week our Pirates of the Caribbean series. We just kind of said, fuck it. Let's watch all five Pirates movies, which is a terrible idea. Oh, my Lord. Boy. Yeah. I'm excited. That's, <laughs> that's the least... ama- I'm excited that it's over with. This is Steve. In the, We just actually, at the time of this recording, we just did uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, and that's the best one, and I'm already fucking done with them. So we've got four more weeks to that for myself, but you, the audience, are done already, and you can listen to those. They're a lot of fun, and we're actually just starting our summer blockbuster extravaganza where we do a bunch of fun summer movies all summer long, and on Patreon, we just uh, dropped an episode on The Ring last month uh, for Gore Verbinski and we'll be doing an episode we do we love movies which are movies we actually like so the ring for Gore Verbinski as a good movie and then also this month we're dropping No Country for Old Men ooh boy good times i yeah i've been really enjoying the uh the Patreon uh, episode shifting to the the loves like it's fun to hear you guys. You're, you're just as funny talking about when why you love something as opposed to why you hate something. 
Exactly. It's almost as if if we if we knew that anyone would listen, we probably wouldn't call the show "We Hate Anything." But <laughs> it's too late. Uh, you got that SEO now. Exactly. No. Yeah. I mean, it, but yeah, it is. It is actually nice to spread your legs a little bit and spread your legs, stretch your legs, uh, <laughs> and uh, just enjoy stuff as opposed to go from a negative. Well, even like the negative stuff is never that negative. No. Anyways, we have fun on this show, and you will too. At uh, or you know, we're at WHM Podcast uh, on Twitter and whmpodcast.com for all the information you might want to find awesome well thank you again steve yes thank you thank you guys for having me so much this is always fun i'm always glad to come back and yeah i haven't thought about this episode in forever uh and it, uh, f- for many reasons uh <laughs> but yeah it was kind of cool to revisit and also see how poorly it's aged in a lot of ways we will bring you back for a less troubled episode yes, yeah, we, <laughs> less troubled water. Uh, but we needed a movie expert and we and we got one there you go. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so thanks again to Steve Sadak for being on our show. Please check out We Hate Movies. We love it. But as for our show, if you want to support us and get all of our podcasts one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Simpsons. And if you sign up for the $5 level, you'll get just that, but also access to all of our miniseries we've done over the past nearly three years, the most recent of which is, of course, Talking Mission Hill. Mm-hmm. We're going through all of Mission Hill, the entire only season Mission Hill with the Talking Simpsons treatment. You can get that for signing up for 5 bucks at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is so much more going on there too much to mention here but you'll get at least 100 bonus podcasts if you sign up today everything we've done for the past nearly three years and henry can tell everybody out there what's happening at the ten dollar level one super long podcast every month just for ten dollar and up patrons that's right for ten bucks a month you get all that five dollar stuff as well as our monthly What a Cartoon Movie. Me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film in the Talking Simpsons style, sometimes, often, for over four hours. Recent ones have included The Castle of Cogliostro, The Great Mouse Detective, and so many other awesome ones. You'd get a giant back catalog of them to listen to today if you sign up at 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Serva. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. Find it wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and sign up there for two exclusive episodes every month at patreon.com slash retronauts. Henry, how about you? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Any updates on what I'm doing in my life are right there for your perusal. Plus, if you're following stuff on Twitter, please follow the official Twitter account of this podcast at Talk Simpsons Pod. That's where you learn about all the new episodes going up on either the free feed or the Patreon at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for Brothers Little Helper, and we will see you then. Bye.